want your mind, they want your soul, to own your life as the long-term goal. They want your money, they want your health, it's a graph, it's a transference of wealth. They like disease, they want you ill, so big pharmaceutical can sell you pills. Signs are ominous, don't look good, bioengineering shape for food. They're everywhere, they're breaking through. Every day they get a grubby pose on something new. Government loves you. So do I. And uh, hopefully, <laughs> so does Armchair Warlord. I've been looking forward to this stream. Had to uh, double book yesterday, uh, roundtable, and the uh, the really rude thing on my part was that I'd, I'd arranged with uh, LKW first that slot, and uh, it was just 
the round table just had too many people too many time zones so i apologize if you're listening aw uh please don't uh don't hold it against me now um i'm running a little little behind so i will dive straight in let me just see if you're ready uh ready let's just see what he says and um yeah i mean there's uh there's plenty to go over since we last talked so let me do a normal call check that's working should be ringing aw are you there yeah you hear me i do hear you would you uh, are you wanting to be on screen today or uh you yeah. gonna maintain yeah. the camouflage uh, yeah yeah hold on I one second you. You... yeah yeah i can i can get on screen today like, uh, hopefully my uh hopefully there's not too much debris behind me i'm <laughs> dude it's you got if i break the fourth wall here you'd be uh you're the drill sergeant and you'd come out yeah right <laughs> uh... tidy up mccann get on with it all right that seems to be working all right you're looking uh let's see if i pop that out yeah let's turn on my video is that how's that work uh it looks good dude um new place looks nice huh. It's a nice place. Kick one. Um, uh, I, I don't have quite as good of a uh, backdrop as my. Uh... <laughs> oh, the uh, the the, the streamers, right? That's uh, yeah. and uh, yeah. Uh, the yeah. The, the the whole wall of fame I had behind me. <laughs> yeah, look, uh, got a wall behind you, bro. You can uh, get it get it set up eventually. So yeah, hey. I'm gonna put the back there. I think I've got I've got one that one that'll look nice. Cool. So, when were three weeks ago? Did we last speak? Four weeks ago? And yeah, it was a little while ago. And dang, has it changed ra radically uh, on the ground? That I, yeah, I'm. There's been a lot of very significant developments. So, mm. and that's that's why I've pulled you in because, um, again, I only have limited bandwidth, and so. I'm, I'm going to defer to people that I know are putting the hours in um, where, where it counts. And I know that, again, folks, if you don't, are you, are you, uh, are you open on Twitter at the moment? Or are you keeping it? Uh, I, yeah. I mean, I actually shut down most of my social media just cause I'm kind of trying to, uh, it, it, honestly, it's, uh, how would I even put this? Um, I'm, well, I, th I think when I left Twitter, I just said, you know, I've got the time to do this. But I don't really have the inclination to anymore. There's a certain amount of certain amount of fighting the war on Twitter that I'm uh, just not. Um... Oh, it's a full time job. Yeah, it, it, it's it's immensely time consuming and it's very uh, I mean, it's just very frustrating. So, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's the literal embodiment of the zombie horde, right? Yeah. One one, uh, one zombie, you can handle one zombie, right? Two, three. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're you're dealing with a thousand. It comes a, it's something yeah. entirely different. Yeah, yeah. Well, but, I mean, it, I mean, it's one of those things where, like, what what where, like, I do I do you know military analysis a hobby, and why am I why am I doing a hobby where I'm not getting paid, and I'm you know having to having to fight an entire an entire information operation running on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, and they are, man. These are pro. Um, well, some are pro, obviously. Some some are just amateur collectives, but 
Um, it's, well, it's, it's, a, it's a bunch of, I'd say it's a bunch of amateur hangers on being directed by a number of pretty malevolent professionals. Mm, mm. And it's, it's such a contentious topic and it, it really, it, it's, it's highly divisive. I've found, um, I found that within my own community and the, oh, people telling me I'm censoring my chat. Uh, no, I'm not. I just switched it off for the uh, the round table. Just bear with me, folks, if I can find it. There, it's it's back. Yeah, I'll just drag it over into the corner. Yeah, I I, I understand, though, dude. You know, you, you need some peace, right? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean... Well, well I mean, I... Uh, yeah, I just got out of law school, and I'm, I've got a... Got, you know... I'm not in a position anymore where I can actually be constantly online all the time. So. Mm, mm, yeah, re real life. <laughs> yeah, I've kind of got real life stuff going on. Did it, I have to. I have to ask though. Were you, you know, for me to handle Twitter, etc. I have to. Ha I have to be at a PC. There's no way. I don't know how people do it by phone. Were you doing it by phone or are you sitting down and? A lot of it I was doing by PC. Some of it I was doing by phone. But actually, what what happened was um. After I got big on Twitter, my uh, like my phone couldn't really handle Twitter anymore, so it started running it very slowly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, I had to do it on PC. Battery draining, and uh, yeah, the um, yeah. Like well, Twitter's one of the <laughs> You're you're uh, you're lucky. You still have one. That's all I can say in the current environment. They're uh, yeah. e even being censorious around around Ukraine. Um, yeah, it's actually kind of remarkable. I, I never got, I never got hit for anything on Twitter. Like the, the most I ever got was like I hit once for spamming. That was it. And it, it was Gonzalo Lira got pinged, right? But his, his was for COVID. He had Peter McCullough and I don't know who the other gentleman was. I forget now, but got two, he got two week uh, strike, right? For hosting yeah. a round table. And, you know, that just goes to show that they're, well, the degree of control that they're trying to exercise is, well, it's, it's pervasive. And, ah, uh, Gonzalo's probably a bit of a high high profile target, right? A lot of, uh, a lot of attention sort of drawn on him. You know what, you know what I did here today? I don't know if it's true. You don't, you don't. Uh, not that. George Galloway was perhaps responsible for his release from the clutches of Ukrainian uh, police. Did you, had you heard anything about that? I haven't heard anything about it, but I haven't been tracking the, uh, the Gonzalo angle angle much recently, just because I'm not like I, I, I logged off of Twitter. I'm not even on the platform. <laughs> mm. So I, I haven't even been like scrolling it. Yeah. So I, I don't know how true that is, but it's, it's what I heard through the sort of grapevine today. And uh, um, yeah, it's, uh, well, he lucked out maybe in, in that instance. So, well, yeah, it's. Uh... Yeah, he's a lucky man. He was, I mean, if he was getting, he was being imprisoned by the SBU, that's a, his life was in danger. Mm, yeah, well, had to, from what I understand, he said he was basically saying the American government wants him dead anyway. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, aren't, again, I don't know how much is being, uh, you know, overly verbose or uh, melodramatic, but um, you know, perhaps yeah, maybe he wants out of the country, um, and he's not getting the help that he needs. I don't, I don't know. I, again, I'm, I'm, 
I only have so much bandwidth to do this stuff and that the for, for new people the reason I follow Ukraine so closely is it's linked to these bio labs and I consider it a integral part of the conflict um it's yeah. not all of it but a, a, a big no, part. I mean I, I think you're I think you're absolutely correct it's not it's not all of it but it's a it's a reflection of why the war started the the sort of um entanglement of you know sketchy dod programs into into ukraine and biden it's a symptom biden biden crime families <laughs> just yeah. just they're gouging in the middle and um it's such a it's a low it's a low for the u.s bro <laughs> i hope they can i hope they can turn it. well actually what the first question that i I've, i had for you was and I'm I'm trying to sort of ask people that I know that are served or serving and have you in, in light of the recent a, a, a very obvious escalation I, I, I don't think you call 300,000 men and potentially a million uh, and just brush that aside as being normal now have you heard that there's any sort of true build up in the west as a response have you is, have you had anything like that so yeah I can, I can answer that so i have not heard anything about a about a troop build up in the west and in fact i'd say this is the the biggest indicator that there is not that essentially nato is not looking to escalate is the fact that we haven't seen major troop movements i mean there's 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 sort of troops who are on the there's a detachment, I'd call them, who are on the sort of on the eastern border with Russia right now. Um, you know, Russia and Ukraine right now. They, uh, and that's, that's, you know, a few brigades. But it's nothing that we would be intervening with. Um, what I have not seen is the sort of large-scale mobilization that would be required to fight the Russians. Um, and, and this would, uh, I mean... And, it, and this is this is to an extent something that the Europeans can't even do anymore because they've given so much of their stuff to Ukraine. I mean, the Poland has like half the tanks they used to have because they've given everything Soviet they they own to Ukraine. Um, yeah, this is uh, well to me. It looks. I'll, I'll try and keep the language uh, PG. I'm trying to keep my streams up on YouTube. AW. Just. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I understand. Yeah. <laughs> It's, you, you go through channels like I go through, like I go through pants. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 a real again because of these subjects. You talk you talk about biolabs. That's a problem. You talk about um, elements to that's not official lines. Oh, I mean, you basically play the the bingo of forbidden topics. Yeah. <laughs> Just, well, so if you're not talking about it, what 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 are, what are these people talking about? iPhones. I, I guess, like, like, yeah, I, mean, I don't even know what the current, what the hell, yeah, just nonsense, like, mm. shoes, I guess, I don't know. Mm. Yeah, it's, it, it sort of blows my mind that there's so few, well, it's not that there's, there's so few, but you'd think it would garner more attention that it does, and again, I don't know, I, I'm stuck here, I feel somewhat isolated in... In the country that I am in, you don't hear much about it. But I've also I've been told that the coverage in the West is limited as well. Um, it's very 
constrained it's yeah, not the lead. I, yeah, I mean I've seen now Grant, I, I don't I barely follow what the mainstream news is saying and I haven't for years. I'm just because it's it's so bad, but my understanding is that coverage of Ukraine has been declining for some time and I've seen I've seen a few very skeptical articles on the entire situation um come out just in the last week. And, and do you think that's because the trajectory of the war has been different to perhaps what had been projected? Or well, I, I think a lot of this has to do with um I mean I, I think there's there's two two things going on. Um first of all the and this has to do with the trajectory of the war. First of all, the Russians are actually starting to mobilize reserves now, um, which they haven't done up until now. Like the Russians have just been have not just been fighting the war on a with their professional army, that, but they've been fighting it with sort of a, a fairly small detachment from their professional army, mm. um, which has has created some some genuine problems because they just don't have a lot of troops in theater. Mm. Um, but that's going to change and change rapidly in the coming months. And so that's that's sort of the that sort of indicates though the Russians are are intending to fight for keeps. And then on top of that, the again even against this fairly small Russian expeditionary force, the Ukrainians just launched a you know sort of a general offensive over the last two weeks, and they've they've made some progress, um, but they have not made. But the the Russians are nowhere near um, being. I mean, the, the Russians have have pretty much. I mean, the Russians are nowhere near being defeated. In fact, they're the what I'm starting to see now is I'm starting to see the Ukrainian military is going to get very. Um, it, it's it's looking very exhausted right now, mm. um, and, and it, it, in a way they weren't they weren't before. So, and you know, I I I, I think there's a good chance here like i i heard like the front is like over a thousand kilometers long in yeah it's very very long it's mm. I, I think it's i think that's about accurate it's about a thousand or a thousand fifty or something it's 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 long yeah so it's it's virtually impossible with that detachment that they had had sent to ukraine to cover that length so is it surprising that we see punches through by and I, I i've been told that these are um, they're not ukrainian troops is what i've heard i don't know if you've heard different uh to this or well it, it's and actually this this ties into something uh, something that something uh interesting that is going on which i think might have might have triggered the russian decision to that might have sort of forced the russians into committing a lot more forces is um, lately, there have been reports, and I want to I want to emphasize these are these are largely reports because um, I mean you see videos of you know foreign fighters in Ukraine, but the problem is that, you know four dudes in a Humvee that doesn't tell you how many that that doesn't tell you anything operationally. It's just it's a viral video. Um, but there have been reports that there's a that there are a significant number of uh, foreign troops, um, basically from NATO, who showed up in Ukraine. Um, and so this may have, uh, and so that this would have immediate consequences as far as the actual number of the actual amount of of not just troops, but, you know, trained troops. I mean, well, well trained, high quality troops that the Ukrainians can field. Um, so, the, the Ukrainian problem. Go ahead. Uh, well, the, the the question I had is how many how many foreign 
troops do you need to you know break the lines like they did uh in i want to say kharkov but is it was it kherson that the zelensky was uh, so, so what you're talking about is the um is uh what, what happened in east kharkov um where the uh, where the Russians had, because the Russians had had sort of gone into this area immediately east of Kharkov, um, in uh, really back in like April. Um, so they've been holding they've been holding that area for a long time. Now, what had been now what had been uh, happening in really going back into July and August was the was a so the, this is this is basically what I what I sort of think. Well, well, to, 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 well, let me start at the end. So um, a couple of weeks ago, the Ukrainians um, launched a big offensive out of Kharkov and um, pushed the Russians out of this area. And they fell back basically to the next river back. Um, so it was uh, about a uh, hundred kilometers they, they pulled out of. Um, significant then. I mean, that's a lot of territory. Yeah, a, a very significant move. Um, mm-hmm. But what, what, the, what immediately struck me about this after I sort of got my... After I sort of took a look at, at how the how the situation on the ground is playing out, because um, initially I thought the Russians still had a lot of troops there, but it turned out the um, but sort of looking at it closer, it turned out the Russians did not have a lot of troops there. In fact, I think they <clears throat> they had you know maybe four or five battalions in the entire area, which is which is this is a big area and this is a tiny force for it. Um, so it seems like the Russians had, had sort of hollowed that entire area out over the last, um, basically over the last month previous, month plus. And you could tell this by, uh, you could sort of see this in retrospect because there were some reports that came in weeks ahead of time saying the Russians had sort of stopped attacking out of the area. Mm. So, so whether, whether, whether Ukrainian troops in the city already and it was just a contested region that somehow they managed to bust out from or were these sort of long lines from kiev that were marching in and um i i don't know sort of wow uh, Uh, oh so so to um i mean to explain this i mean it it was a russian held area it wasn't contested um but the the ukrainians put a massed a pretty large force to attack it and and a lot of that was actually out of sort of the force that had been holding kharkov itself and so they sort of took those troops out of kharkov and they threw them they balled them up and threw them east of the russians and it it worked reasonably well um they they broke through and now there, there were not a lot of russian troops there but they broke through and forced them back to the next river line um and, and the, the Russians evacuated some positions they'd held for quite some time. Now, I've, go I've, got, I've got to ask this because, in my mind, if Russia has air superiority in this this situation, how come they're not able to utilize that in the as a way to, I don't know, bolster weakened defenses on the ground? Mm-hmm. And we haven't seen the. Um, the air force at play like i would like we would use it right well i mean i'd say they i'd say they they actually were doing that because what the um something i i noticed while this was going on was that the the ukrainians while they were pushing they were um they were getting bombed um the russian air force was was hard work it was. No, um, i i'm missing i'm missing all this video then there must be a a whole uh (laughs) a few days of uh 
video clips on that. There were some videos that came out, and also there were a lot of reports that came out that the Ukrainians had taken when there there were not reports of fighting on the ground, but the because uh, there weren't a lot of reports of fighting on the ground, the Russians largely just went through. Mm. Um, but the Ukrainians still took a lot of casualties, and those those would have had to have come from air attack. Mm-hmm. So, it, it, correct me if I'm wrong. So, it, it, in the last time that we spoke, there was moves towards um, uh, Crimea, right? So, you started to see more action on the ground in Crimea, whether uh, as sort of insurgency type uh, attacks. It's I, I don't know if there was a sort of bolstering of um, morale in Ukrainian troops, but it's it seemed like from there that they seem to pick up the pace with respect to uh, the defense of their country. And um, yeah, why, why, the, why so slow for Russia to react in, in this instance? Well, I, <laughs> um, I mean, I think this has to do with the, yeah, I think this, this has to do with the, uh, the nature of the operation they've been running in Ukraine. So as I said earlier, the Russians have really been running the, the, the war in Ukraine on something of a shoestring. Mm. Um, and they're... Uh, and so, and I think this was a political constraint. Um, I don't think that Putin wanted to have a, a large Russian army force in Ukraine. Um, and, and so most of their, most of their troops were down... Uh, as far as I can tell, most of their troops were down south in the Kherson region, um, sort of fending off another, in fact, larger Ukrainian offensive, which has gone absolutely nowhere. <laughs> but it's not the one that gets the PR. <laughs> um, well, we get a distorted view, right? No. And any any yeah. Ukrainian advances uh, bled out from the media, and um, so it's, it's very difficult to get a clear picture of what's going on, and so. Um, the uh, well, I, I, you're saying they're taking heavy, heavy casualties. I he- I heard the same. Um, I, I guess you answered the question. You, your your presumption being that it was air power that inflicted those casualties on the Ukrainians and um, lesser fixed bayonet type fighting, uh, street to street. Is that is that correct? Yeah. And uh, so, I mean, in, in, yeah, in, I think the, the big consequence of, of uh, this, um, so the Ukrainians had some success in East Kharkov, and they, um, I'm not sure what the decision made, what the, the analytical process was out of this, because I, I would have told them, like, if, I, if I'd been advising them, I would have told them, look, just sit down and be happy with what you've got, right? Yeah. Um, but they... Uh, apparently, there was some thinking going around that the um, that the Russians were suffering some kind of military collapse. So immediately afterwards, the uh, the Ukrainians have sort of over the last week, uh, the Ukrainians basically launched a, launched a general offensive, um, which is just taking taking all those units they had on the front line and and, and uh, in fact bringing in additional reserves um, last i heard they'd even brought in they'd even like pulled the kiev garrison out to send east just because they're trying to trying to make progress so they balled up all those units that had been defending they sent them at the russian and their their results out of this have not been have not been good mm. um well I mean, they, um, they were, uh, not according to channel four and sky news i, I mean yeah channel four and sky news as near as i can tell are just 
complete it'll just you it's like it's like the the ministry of propaganda right <laughs> mm, mm. um i was playing a clip earlier of um piers morgan uh discussing with yeah. uh, jordan peterson and look the one talking sense in that discussion was jordan peterson i don't know if you've seen it that clip i'm actually watching watching it earlier before i came on stream with you uh so um your assessment of jordan peterson's take on the situation yeah i mean jordan peterson isn't a he's not a military man but he's 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 very got a very good head in his shoulders and i think his his take on the situation is quite good um well, yeah, it, it, it comes down to the, the, there's all this. Oh, uh, Putin is the next Stalin, Hitler, and and and, and that's well, Peterson's wheelhouse, right? Is yeah, and, and actually, I'd say a lot of this is confessions and projection because, I mean, if if you look at what the let's look at what, what's happening in Europe, um, like expressing support for the Russians in Europe is in most places is in many places a crime. Mm. In Ukraine, it's a crime that could get you taken out back and shot. Mm. Um, well, so the, the... I was going to say it's it's some it's something that's will get you shot in the in the cities that they they moved back into. This this is where I think the real horror is when there's these boundaries that change quite that dynamically, and there are still people there who have to try to live. And I ju I just wonder how much sort of sectarian revenge occurs uh, and the west turns a, bl a blind eye to uh, in the current oh service. yeah the, the west has been has been completely ignoring just war crime after war crime committed by the ukrainians mm. i mean they're you know to the point they've, they've posted videos of them you know in Izium just shooting people who they thought were who they thought were russia supporters and that the, the, the crazy thing about this is i mean most of the people in in that in you know east kharkov who were genuine Russia supporters. They they fled. They went to Russia. <laughs> there were a lot of refugees who fled, and I think a lot of the people who remained were Ukraine supporters or were neutral. And you know they, they were not didn't have a strong position on the subject. But because they were they'd been tainted by uh, because they they'd been you know somehow tainted by uh, getting along with the Russian occupation. Uh, the the Ukraine state now sees these people as enemies. Mm. Yeah, it's it's disturbing, and and you know I've heard reports that ten years um, for well support of Russia is a is a, is a law that they're pushing right now, and I I get it. There's there's a it's not normal circumstances, and you have to sort of draw boundaries. But the it's not so much Ukraine that bothers me. It's the it's the it's the surrounding, especially Western European countries, that have taken this very pro-Ukrainian stance. It's they're incredibly hostile to finding anything approximating a peaceful solution. With um... yeah, well, and actually, this this um, I mean, you're you're. I mean, this was the the astonishing thing. Actually, was that this this news came out a couple of weeks ago? Was, um, and it, it was uh, so when the so uh, when the Russians were sort of had sort of gone into the the north of Ukraine back in you know, February March, and then they uh, they pulled out of that area in 
uh, right at the end of March. Uh, the Russians just pulled troops out of the entire north of Ukraine. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the Russians said at the time that, you know, hey, we did this to create space for negotiations. Um, and everybody, everybody poo-pooed this, right? Everyone thought like, oh, no, they were just taking heavy casualties. We beat them. We defeated them. Like, well, it came out a couple of weeks ago. There was a peace deal on the table mm-hmm. in early April, first week of April, um, that the Ukrainians were ready to sign. And this was, by the way, a fairly a fairly favorable a fairly favorable peace deal for Ukraine. Um, I forget what, exactly what the the terms were, but it was it was quite favorable. I mean, and my my understanding was that it was a, a, a sticking to the Minsk agreements, and I, I think maybe more Russian control for the the Netsk and um, but. Yeah, the... yeah, I think it was basically like the Russians were going to pull their troops completely out back to back to their pre-invasion lines and Ukraine is going to implement Minsk, mm. which was, yeah, which, which, which would have been viewed, especially in the, the sort of Russian circles, as an incredible defeat for Russia, mm. right? It was a, a vast climb down. And well, what, what, what happened on April 8th was Boris Johnson, then, then Prime Minister of the, the UK, uh, flew to Kiev and and just badgered the uh, you know badgered Zelensky to pull out of this peace deal. Uh, I, I don't know about so, badgered. Probably just opened up a briefcase of money and uh, well, not not a briefcase. Yeah. <laughs> big, uh... he, uh, he persuaded Zelensky to pull out of this peace deal, which you know had been uh, had you know was on the table and which would have been incredibly favorable to Ukraine and. And then now, now we're in we're in a situation where the Ukrainians are going to lose far more than far more than whether than a yeah than losing. The, the the following five months again the in the summer it was again difficult to sort of to see which way it was going from my perspective that it seemed it seemed stalled to some degree. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's a fair characterization. It was, I mean, the the uh, during the summer the Russians were um, pushing, but they were pushing very slowly. Hmm. Uh, and you think that's just because the troop numbers were just not enough to cover the ground in in the. Oh uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's it's part of that and part of. Um, I think their their plan is. Uh, was and I think to an extent still is to sort of uh, attrit the to sort of beat the Ukrainians on on their existing lines, and then uh, sort of sort of uh, inflict enough damage to the Ukrainians on their existing lines they can they can uh, then push forward with minimal losses later, um, which I, mean, I think they were doing a pretty good job at, but. Um, yeah, the, the, the enemy gets a vote in War Two, and the, the Ukrainians have been able to regenerate forces. Mm. And the, the I've I've seen lots of uh, hooping and a hollering about the high Mars. That was uh, a, they think that's been a decisive uh, turning point in the war. I know you, I know you have a different view to that, but has that changed since we last spoke? Or no, I mean there, there's. Uh, 
I mean, High Mars is a good weapon system. It's a very effective, it's a very effective weapon, but it's nothing nothing fundamentally new to the conflict. And, and in fact, the people who are claiming that oh, this is doing all this damage to the Russians, they're, they've never been able to explain how it's happening. I mean, they're, they're, they've never been able to show to actually show the effect. Um, they, they they can they have like like theories about oh, this is what they're doing, but it it doesn't. These theories aren't borne out by what's actually happening on the ground. <laughs> so, do, do do you think there was a, a breakdown in command over the summer that that would have sort of allowed the lines to collapse? But they got complacent that they were they were holding their own, and um, I don't know. It it seems like a leadership issue to me that you would. Well, I, I think the I think the issue was um, basically sometimes in war you have to assume risks. Um, and so I think there, but sometimes also you have a problem where where subordinates assume risks that are out of their pay grade, um, which, I mean, we, we saw this recently, which was, was that the political leadership of Russia, you know, Vladimir Putin and the, the Duma, um, is willing, has been willing to, uh, put more troops in if needed. And I don't think the Russian general staff asked for those troops. I think they were trying to sort of get along with, because that would entail a hard conversation about, hey, where is this war going? Um, and so I think that led the sort of Russian the Russian command to um, to assume some risks in up north in East Kharkov that they were not um, they shouldn't have they shouldn't have assumed. Um, they should you know if they were. Thinking, hey, we need these troops down south to fight, you know, defend against this big Ukraine push coming against Kherson. Um, we need to go back to the government and say, hey, we need more soldiers, and have that have that hard conversation sooner rather than later. <laughs> Which uh, unfortunately they end up having it later. I have to I have to ask. It. So my understanding was that Russia had a sort of standing army of two million men, right, at, at arms, meaning that they were on call, ready to go, and um, why why the need to do the call, the conscription call that they have done, where it, it, if their military was in, had the numbers that they were claiming or, or what were being banded about? But am I mistaken in thinking there was that number? Yeah, the, the, this is a... An interesting uh, subject. I'm. <laughs> yeah, I actually have to confess, I'm not as far as the the Russian army's end strength. I'm not. Um, I'm not completely up on up on what their army, what their army's uh, end strength is is supposed to look like. Um. I. With that being said, <laughs> oh, I mean, I, I think that's a. Oh, well, I mean, I think the, the actual issue here is that the, the Russians have a lot of other military commitments they, they need to meet um, because they, they they kind of live in a bad neighborhood and they've... they've That's uh, one way to put it. Yeah. Yeah, they, they kind of live in a bad neighborhood and they're clearly very concerned about, you know, an attack from NATO or um, things going on in Central Asia or over in China. And so... And they only have a certain, hmm. yeah. And I mean, also just the the issue with um, saying, you know, well, we have an army of so many 
so many troops. A lot of those guys are support troops, and a lot of those a lot of those guys are uh, going to be conscripts. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Russians haven't been using their conscripts in this war. So they have about one hundred fifty thousand conscripts in the in the force at any given time. And then, I mean, they they also have a lot of uh, people who are sort of in support roles. And what they what they sort of need right now, at least as far as my my understanding, is they need a lot of uh, they need a lot of you know, a lot more frontline troops. Oof, so, the cannon fodder. Yeah, that's a disturbing. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's a, the the fact of war. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, God, God forbid it. Like I say, the I don't know. I've I've yeah, seen. I mean, I, yeah, but but I mean, I think to to sort of maintain what they're sort of maintain their readiness elsewhere, and also be able to escalate the the uh, the war in Ukraine enough to the point where they can win. Um, they they just decided they need they they decided they need to you know draft in draft in some of their reserves instead of sending in additional sort of more of their professional army. Okay, so in in this instance, then the, the presumption would be that they don't need training from scratch. These are men who know how to look after their kit. They know how to pick up their rifle. They know how to follow the orders that are being being given. So in, in your estimation what would be the time frame that to expect to sort of see that deployment i had I mean, I two weeks to, but... yeah i've heard two weeks i think two weeks is very aggressive i think we'd start seeing a lot of these guys show up within a month and i think it's kind of going there's going to be basically two waves um i think the first wave is going to be people who are who are ready to go immediately and so one of the things that I suspect the Russians are having an issue with in Ukraine is that they, their units in, in Ukraine are probably under strength, um, and which means they don't have a lot of, a lot of infantrymen in them because, I mean, if you have, an, you have like a, a mechanized infantry, infantry uh, organization, you're, the, the, uh, you're always going to crew your vehicles completely, so you have functioning vehicles first, and then, then whoever's left over is going to be the infantry, um, the dismounts. And so... Uh, so what I suspect is going on is those those units are probably under strength, and um, at least because they're not going to have their normal complement of conscripts in them, because mm-hmm. the, the Russians have never been using their conscripts, and they're uh, and I mean just with um, uh, just with you know, the usual grind of uh, grind of casualties and so on, they're probably going to be quite under strength. So I think the first wave is going to go into Taking those units that are already in Ukraine and getting them up to yeah you know, 100 or 110 percent strength or so on, so they're completely ready to fight. Mm. And then, which I think that'll be a portion of this. I'd say a, fair, a relatively small portion. The, the remainder, I think, are going to go into. And actually, this is this ties back into your earlier question about the professional army. Is I think the remainder are going to get. Uh, sort of folded into existing professional units um, with uh, significant infusions of additional equipment and so on to turn these professional units into much, much larger sort of mobilization units. Mm. Um, so you have sort of professional core and then a larger, a larger group of mobilized troops around them, um, which, uh, which makes a much, a much nastier organization than just the professionals on themselves. And that's probably going to show. And so I think the, but I think this first wave of troops, just to plus up the existing forces, that's going to be there in about a month. Or probably, you know, 
two to three two to three more weeks from now because this was all announced last week so why, why wouldn't ukraine try to press as much advantage right now as as humanly possible that we and uh, I, well, i'm I, not I seeing it right that's that's the well, point. But, but here's the thing i disagree with you there they are um the in fact you can you can see this uh you can really see this right now and that um even i mean the ukrainians ordered a general offensive after they took east kharkov um thinking that thinking that you know the russians were having some kind of a collapse which wasn't the case they had they had plenty of troops they, they, they could they had plenty of troops that could pat they could patch things up it's uh they, i think they just sort of need the political authorization to bring more troops into theater but <laughs> especially with uh, mobilization being announced and with these um, referendums that are happening in, in uh, the Russian-held areas, the Ukrainians have really been, have continued to push. And um, I mean, and I'd say they've continued to push in ways that are, are arguably reckless um, by even like doing things like stripping out the, um, sending the Kiev garrison to the front, which would, would have been unthinkable earlier. Mm. But this is the the group of you know the, the soldiers who are actually defending the regime in Kiev. So Kiev um, is undefended so, then, and uh, um, I, I say it, 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 again, I have a, I have a lot of questions in this domain. So I, I was toying with the idea that was the is this a sort of control collapse by Russia to provide political uh, support for bringing in a much larger force to to take the whole of the country, and they. They they had to maneuver in such a way as to, as to do it like this. Otherwise, there wouldn't be the uh, the resources available or the will to do it from the bureaucratic level. Or um, why why are we not seeing the? Um, well, I still don't get why they're not taking out the decision centers of the Ukrainians because they must know where they are and. Well, I, I think I think the answer to that is that the Russians are still expecting some kind of negotiated settlement. You know, they've from day one they've been looking for for a negotiated settlement with Ukraine. They're I think they're still trying to get one. Um, so I don't think they're quite at the point where they're where they they're they've gotten to just hey we're just going to wipe this place out. Um, we may be getting there in the near future, but I don't think they're quite there yet. Mm. So it, how I've watched uh, Putin's speech live and. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I have to admit, like, like my jaw was sort of hanging open, listening to the translation and the, the degree of escalation that was implied in, in, in the speech. And he was also he was also very uh, forthright and forthcoming in in who he held responsible in that he he was talking about nato specifically nato forces that they were fighting and um how much do you think that changes their calculations if they're having that public discussion um i mean i think it i think it changes it a great deal the they've been i uh, because I mean, a lot of the stuff has been talked about unofficially, but the the fact that it's it's the fact that you know the the Russian government is coming out and saying this is very significant, because um, it it implies that they're 
Well, but I mean, the, the implication is like we're going to take appropriate act, appropriate appropriate action. That this uh, and I mean, the, the the general impression I got from Putin's speech was he, he was basically saying, sort of telling the Russian people um, and that, uh, hey, we were we've been doing things in a certain way, and um, because the uh, the West has continued to escalate and has continued to arm and to fund arm and even to an extent, you know, sending, uh, I mean, you know, sending troops into Ukraine unofficially. Mm. Um, this, uh, uh, that we, uh, the, the Russians are going to have to, uh, the, uh, the, the Russian government is going to have to uh, escalate in a way they had not originally planned to. Mm. Mm. And that therein lies the, that unpredictability that it's cry havoc and release the dogs of war and um when oh, so I, I don't think anybody in the any russian planner would have expected um would have expected ukraine at the level of support it has um, you, you mean internationally in terms of yeah. uh, mm, uh, well i mean just the notion you know poland would give half of its tanks to ukraine stuff like that um or the the level of, or you know, that the, the United States would be willing to give non-trivial portions of its like missile stockpiles <laughs> to Ukraine just just because it's a it's a proxy we can use as a as a beat as a stick to beat Russia with. Um, I mean, sort of in. Uh, I mean, in. I don't even think this is this is particularly clear in retrospect. <laughs> Well, I, 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 again, this comes back to this sort of hazy summer that that was ha was had, and um, someone one day you'd have advances somewhere, and then there, there would be counter uh, counter moves, and it just said that that portion just seemed to drag on. And um, look, I, I'll, I'll be honest, where where do I get my information from most of the time about Russia? I'm watching the two lads who do the Duran. Um, I, I forget the. I'm not going to pronounce the Greek names, but um, it's just, they 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 seem they seem on top of it. But I I would I would argue very much leaning into Russian um, reporting. I would say, and so you you could get the impression from those guys that there was a the, the Russian lines were more solid than the obviously were um and the it's it's been very difficult to find a balanced analysis of both sides and the you know the the day-to-day -day slog which i think you do so well which is just the you know the tons of artillery that need to be moved the uh the you know the, the environmental conditions in which you have to operate etc and um you know, if you had advice for people, who who would you suggest listening to, apart from yourself, of course, uh, to to get the, a, a real balanced um, view? Um, I'd actually say, as far as people whose views align pretty closely with mine, um, Brian Berletic, uh, who runs a channel called The New Atlas. I don't watch his stuff a lot because I, I mean, I I have sort of follow my own, <laughs> I sort of follow my own group of sources on Telegram, but um. Mm. Uh, Brian Berletic actually does a does a pretty good job as far as breaking um as far as I mean he he puts out daily updates and he does a pretty pretty good job at um 
parsing through the war. And for, I mean, that's at the foot soldier level. What what about trying to, like I say, the mainstream press is just terrible, and I want to I want to be able to find something that I can sort of tune into that just um, threads the needle, but and moves the needle both sides of this conflict at, at the looking at the politics of it. And you have any suggestions in those domains? On the political side, um, that's a really good question. I, um, that's a really, really good question. Hmm. I mean, you can disregard anything that comes through the main your TV. Basically, I think that's yeah. a, that's a fa- that's a fair assumption. There was the. You know, again, uh, sort of red-headed lad who was uh, in the Donetsk region. Um, he's Patrick. He, he, he yeah, seems to... Yeah. So I, I haven't seen him lately. You saw him all the time at the beginning of the war. Um, yeah, I think he, he sort of went on vacation for a while. I mean, he called it vacation. I think he got a lot of threats, like mm. a lot, a lot of threats. And like, not just, you know idle threats you get on Twitter, like, yeah, Ukrainian government is going to blow your house up with high Mars kind of threats. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and th- there's, well, well, last time we were speaking, they just released that, um, oh, I forget his name, Maidradan paper or, or website where they were saying eliminated, eliminated, right? And we, we oh, yeah, felt... Yeah, like, or whatever. That, yeah. That and it's it's coming out it's 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 being hosted out of nato and yeah. I, I, i'm you know the, the the fact that there was an outcry at at that sort of well i i, I consider that's in war crime territory you, you're not supposed to be well i i do say that but then i i, I immediately think of the packs of cards that the us would dish out in the iraq war right with uh bounties and um political prisoners that they wanted to that that wanted to capture so uh, maybe it maybe it's not such a a big deal but um if it's a big deal we start seeing like western politicians getting put on it uh what's what's good for the goose is good for the gander right is what they say so um Hang on. So someone's just saying in my chat, he's back. He traveled to Armenia. Okay, so... Uh, okay, yeah, because I know that some stuff went on in Armenia recently. And I, I think he has been... Because he, he's, he's been getting more active recently. For a while, he was kind of kind of gone. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, my, my problem is, is that I just... I can't keep a YouTube channel long enough to build up the subscriptions. And, yeah. you, you, you know, I've fallen into sort of Telegram land. And you know, there's there's four or five web uh, channels that I'll I'll scroll through, and it, it, most of it is all uh, oh, R- Russia's Russia's on the easy win. Let me, let me just read my list to you, and you should tell me, Dad, don't don't read that one. But I'll just go from the top. Slavingrad, is that how you say it? Donbass, yeah. Dvishka, uh, yep. Scott Ritter, Intel Republic, um, Bellum Actor. Uh, let's see. 
Russia, MFA. I don't know what I don't. Intel Slava is another one that I um, look at. Um, do, do you have any other suggestions I should be adding to that uh, list? Um, I've got a couple. Uh, actually, there there's a war in Ukraine subtitle battle, which actually they they do. Um, uh, there's a war in Ukraine subtitle channel, which they do. They don't really do their own content, but they subtitle um, stuff that's in Russian. And what they particularly do is they put out um, updates from this guy named Yuri Podolyaka, who's a he's a Russian military analyst, but he um, he used to have a YouTube channel, right? Of course, that got banned very quickly. So, mm. but he he's still putting out videos, and they they subtitle them. Um, is that, is also, that... a uh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, you know, another channel taken down. Another, um, yeah. it, it, it's really. From PayPal to YouTube, if people don't grasp that these corporations are not your friends and are being weaponized right now, such that well, I'm not I'm not sure why they have to have such strict narrative control. It's not it's not like they don't have endless resources, but um, yeah, you know, well, it's a strange time. AW, strange time indeed. Um, really is, really is. So, I know I'm badgering you with uh, te no, no technical questions, but there's another channel um, who is somewhat more pessimistic on Russia. He's, he's pro-Russian, but he's, he's, a, he's a bit of a doomer. But what he does sometimes is he, what he does, he'll, he'll actually show Ukrainian stuff too, mm. um, which is uh, uh, Maz now. I'll send you the links. Yeah, please uh, sort of um, stack them up. I'll try. I'll try and fit them in. So we're we're a month away from now, right? So we're into um, we're approaching November. Um, yeah. Is the winter going to shut down the fighting somewhat, or does it? Uh, I'd say the the winter is not going to have any effect on the fighting. Um... The mud season might have a little bit of an effect on the fighting, but it didn't really in the spring. Um, the, but I mean, what we're dealing with, uh, I mean, we're basically dealing with uh, Ukraine's fighting Russians here, and they're both very, um, these are people who know how to fight in cold weather. Uh, so it's not, I, I don't think the winter is really going to impact the fighting. Now, what I think it will impact is the economic side of things. Mm. Um, this is simply because uh, simply because I mean, you've already seen, you can already see this in Europe is the energy apocalypse. Mm. I mean, you see the people in the UK, their energy bills are going from like 50 pounds a month to 1200 mm. and it's still September. Mm. Well, I mean, you're going to see a situation in which much of Europe literally runs out of heating out of you know, heating gas over the winter. And I think the, and I'm not sure if this was planned out. In fact, I'd say this might be just more of a, more of sort of a, a series of stacking coincidences, but I think the I would not be surprised at, at all if the sort of decisive phase of this war is over this winter, um, simply because you have a situation you'll have a situation in which the in which the European portion of the West and the the, Amer the the American portion is different. We have our own resources, but the European portion of the West is going to be in uh, in the the grips of an economic disaster. Um, simply because of of the energy crisis, mm. and then and so you'll see a, and this is going to be combined with the infusion of a large number of additional Russian troops into theater, 
and the exhaustion of the Ukraine army and sort of their, so I, I think this, I mean, I, I, I might be wrong on this, but I think they're, um, the push they're making right now, this is sort of their last throw of the dice. This is their, their attempt to win the war before, um, before the winter hits and their European backers all sort of financially collapse. And uh, before this, lar- the, these you know, very significant additional Russian, Russian forces show up in theater. Um, and actually, just to give you an idea of, of how significant this, this Russian move to mobilize is, um, <clears throat> my, my estimate of, of Russian troops in theater has always been lower. Um, it's always been kind of on the low side of, of analysts. Um, I've, I don't think the Russians have more than 100,000 troops in theater. Um, and at least it, particularly you know, the, the, the regular Russian army. And the, but... the, the doctrine is like four attackers to one defender, right? That that's the figure I kept hearing being. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're, you're supposed to have you know, three to one as far as attackers at defenders. Well, mm. uh, and it, that's part of been the the Russian problem is they really don't have a lot of troops. And the Ukraine strategy from day one, and this they 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 talked about this extensively pre-war. This was no secret. Um, was that they were going to mobilize their society and sort of drown the Russians in bodies. Mm. <laughs> And this was this was discussed pre-war. This was the official Ukrainian plan, and well, they did that, and it kind of worked, um, but it it has not worked well enough to win the war. And well, guess what? The the Russians have a counter move they can make, which is mobilize their own society, mm. and with, with much less effort, they can uh, they can field a a comparably sized force. I mean, if you're talking about another three hundred thousand Russian troops coming into theater. I mean, this is a at a minimum a doubling of a a doubling of the Russian force in in Ukraine, um, probably more than a doubling. Um, so this is going to be an, an incredibly significant uh, significant amount of mass that shows up. And over uh, the next couple of months, how how does that compare to the Iraq invasions? So I remember the first one with Desert Storm was that one. Yeah, I, I remember them saying there was a, a million troops amassed. I don't think it was as much the second time around. Uh, uh, well, the, the first time it was, there was a huge force that went into Kuwait. Um, hmm. uh, the coalition attacked with a five to one numerical superiority over the Iraqis. Hmm. Um, okay, Schwarzkopf asked for five to one. He got five to one. It was a huge force. And well, you saw that in the results. <laughs> The, the, mm. It wasn't just you know, the technical superiority; it was the the incredible numerical superiority. Mm. Um, uh, were you but, serving then, or yeah. was that afterwards? You did the second in, in, in ninety one. Yeah, that was that was God. I was I was a small child at the time. Um, just want trying to picture. With did you do any of the Iraq or Afghanistan theaters? Uh, yeah, I, actually, I was in. Spent some time uh, uh, serving in the. Actually, the war against ISIS, which was oh, um, yeah. separate from the Iraq war proper. Um, it was actually a different named operation. Um, I, I'm an Operation Inherent Resolve veteran, which is... Uh, that, that was after we left Iraq the first time, and then we went back in to deal with ISIS. Mm. So that's, that's what I was part of. Mm. But that was back in 2017. And now we have ISIS emerging in Ukraine, funnily enough. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Crazy, crazy uh, set of circumstances. So, the um, so in in this, we're approaching November. We've got the 
um, are these going to be massed ground battles, or why, why, why not just start leveraging air power and you know the bombing? It's not. It's not like Russia doesn't have the guided munitions to um, really wreak havoc. And why? Well, else? actually, I think that that's that's a. I think that's actually already happening. Um, the. I mean, the, the uh, I guess part of the issue with um, the Russians deploying a lot of air power deep into Ukraine is simply because the, um, the, the Ukrainians still have a, a somewhat functional air defense system and modern air defenses, uh, particularly Soviet air defenses. Uh, sort of Soviet post-Soviet air defenses are quite potent. Mm. Um, so they've been, they've been kind of reluctant to run a lot of airstrikes deep into Ukraine, although I think they've been doing a decent number of them. Uh, but they, they haven't fired a lot of cruise missiles. And, well, the, the thing is, so the Russians have, that my understanding is the Russians can produce, you know, can, can sort of produce at a steady state, you know, 12 or 16 or 20 cruise missiles every day, which is, by the way, nuts. If you, if you look at, what, you look at what, uh, what American production of, like, Tomahawks looks like, the notion the Russians can just come out with, you know, you know, 20 new calibers every day is, is should be terrifying to any, any war planner in the U.S. But, and are they still keeping that pace? Because I know, I know there was talk of, um, I can't remember what, like they'd fired over 2,000. Yeah, I mean, basically the Russians have already fired more, more I, I don't know what the actual American stockpile is as far as cruise missiles, but the Russians have fired... You know, two or three thousand cruise missiles into Ukraine—that's just just insane, right? That that's an incredible amount. Mm. Um, and well, here's the thing: the Russians also recently have been uh, purchased a very large number of uh, kamikaze drones. Oh, I saw, I saw these. Yeah, I wanted to ask you. <laughs> yeah, and um, I'm not sure if they're producing them in, in Russia themselves yet, or if they they're just buying them in large quantities from Iran. But they've apparently purchased literally thousands of of you know propeller powered drones with uh with warheads on them mm. from iran <laughs> but you know what they remind me of the klingon yep. ships from star trek that they kind of do actually yeah uh, just they just maybe need a bit more narrow wing than the delta wing that they have but yeah. um I, I, they, I can't they shoot that kind of stuff out the sky I mean, little little propeller-driven. Um, it seems to me a modern battlefield should have the ability to pick them up and. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they can, but the issue is that they're they're firing, you know, dozens of them at you. So, mm. and also the uh, Ukrainian air defenses have been quite badly degraded over the course of the war. So their their air defenses aren't very good, um, and at, at this point, and then I mean, the Russians are just. They're they're increasingly in a position to just swarm them with these things, uh, and that's that's going to create um, it's going to really increase the amount of firepower they can they can throw deep into Ukraine, which is going to be a a real problem. Mm, and um, th these are sort of loiter munitions that will just hang about for twenty four hours and um, yeah, uh, pick targets. Yeah, so they, can, they can sort of hang out over the battlefield for a long period of time, which is also useful if you're trying to do things like kill. Uh, rocket launchers that are very fleeting on the battlefield. Um, so if you have some kind of loitering munition that can just hang out in their their general launch area for a long period of time, it becomes much easier easier to kill something like a high Mars, which which fires and then immediately moves and goes and hides somewhere. Mm. 
Mm. Yeah, I, I, like I say, I saw I saw the pictures today, and um, the, the I was like, ah, oh, that's that's not even World War Two doodlebug. They they were <laughs> they were more impressive than the. It, it, it literally looked like I say like a Star Trek model to me, and then I. You, yeah, it, it's like a it's like a modern it's like a model airplane. The thing is, you can you can build them in vast quantities. Right, right. <laughs> so, Star, Stalin said. Uh, quantity has a has a quality all of its all of its own but the clip i saw you you see people filming it and then you just hear um gunfire it sounds just like uh shoulder right Th these aren't uh, anti-aircraft um guns being fired and I, I i don't know if the clip hit, hit the target that it was intending or if the uh the, the troops on the ground managed to hit it with a with a rifle i don't know i mean how 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 difficult would that be god i have i have enough trouble hitting a steel target in the, <laughs> in the gun range i suppose uh something yeah. moving I mean, yeah if the ukrainians are trying to shoot these things down with small arms it's just not going to work <laughs> there they, they might get one but they're not going to get the the 20 they're sending so what's what's the <laughs> minimum that you need in in that situation to say okay we've we, we've neutralized that that problem and like S three hundred seems like overkill to me. Well, I mean, what you really need is some kind of a like a short range air defense system, um, uh, or some kind of a like short range air defense system, like a gun, like guns or missiles, um, sort of smaller missiles, um, That's... which which exist. Um, if, if the Ukrainians were trying to use this sort of thing against the Russians, it would not work very well, just because the Russians have a a much a much more intact um, integrated air defense system. So I mean, something like a like a Panzer S one would just eat these things for lunch. Mm. No, I'm just because it's got you know twelve missiles on there plus guns, and they're and sort of be able to follow follow the troops and support them. <clears throat> um, so, but, so this this well, I'm just saying that the fact that Iran is now supplying uh, weapons, you know, we had the I forget the SSC Soviet. Not the post-Soviet, the organization that um, the satellite countries uh, are... Uh, the CSTO or the is, is, the is, that is, is that what it's called? So um, are we are we to expect these countries joining in as part of the conscription effort? Um, I, I mean, I'd say no. Um, the, uh, among other things, because the... the, the, the Far and away, the heavy hitter in the in the CSTO is Russia itself, mm. um, and also like a lot of CSTO countries have their own problems right now. Um, I mean, or, I mean, uh, Kyrgyzstan and Tajikistan are shooting at each other right now over. I don't even know what that war is over. They're they're shooting at each other, and there's um, there's the Armenian as everything going on, and the uh, the the Kazakhs have sort of been trying to straddle the straddle line between being pro-western pro-russian mm. so i I, th I think the mobilization effort is largely going to be confined to russia mm. um, it, it's, a, it's po a possibility the belarusians might might join in but i'd say that's that's as of now i'd say that's even that's unlikely so after after feeling out the ground around kiev in the first push do you, do you think that they if they've got the men that they would do that try to withdraw pressure from the sort of eastern front and then push 
So I'm sort of imagining where the, where they attacked before, sort of north. Um... Well, I, I think the what the Russians are going to try to do first is as additional troops arrive, and you can actually see this in what they've been doing, mm. which is that even as all this stuff was happening in East Kharkov, the Russians never stopped attacking in the Donbass. Mm. Um, and they, they've taken sort of some, some, I mean, I wouldn't say it's a significant amount of terrain, but they've, they've taken some terrain in uh, further south in the Donbass while, uh, while all this has been going on. So they never stopped attacking, which tells me, um, tells me that whatever was going on, they weren't really that panicked by it. Mm. Um, it's certainly not enough to shut down offensive operations elsewhere and then and so as, as additional troops go on I think they're going to focus on initially on uh, securing the, the rest of Donetsk Oblast and then probably um, it's a good question the obvious targets are there's basically three obvious targets which are there's one in the west one, one in the east and one in the center right <laughs> And so I, I think the, the, the so the next obvious targets are sort of uh, Nikolaev, which is near Kherson, and then that sort of feeds into Odessa, and also feeds into like linking up with Transnistria, which has been, uh, which has sort of been hanging out as an as an unanswered question this entire war. Yeah, sort of simmering uh, away, right? People people have been. Yeah. Well, when the when the I remember there being some attacks on like radio pylons and uh, uh in in that region and then it then it just sort of died down somewhat and um well and then and then of course there's obviously the belarus question and the other the other thing that i've heard being discussed is that the, the poland and surrounding countries are, are going to be looking to take historic territories um Back from back from Ukraine, particularly Poland. Well, I wouldn't be surprised if Poland had had designs on on the Lvov region, um, mm. not in the slightest. Now, I think they're going to wait until I think they're going to wait until significantly later in the war to make to make those moves. Um, but if this this war ends with sort of Polish peacekeepers occupying that region, I wouldn't be surprised in the slightest. Mm. Mm. Um, but right right now, Ukraine is sort of. Uh, uh, both too, um, it's 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 still too much on the front foot for the pole for the vultures to move in. I'll put it that way. Can I can I ask? Uh, I keep asking a little bit of a personal question, dude. Do you have do you have, um, do you have uh, family or ancestry from that region, or because you're, you're um, how would you say you're not the average American? Uh, voice out there with respect to Ukrainian analysis. So I'm just I'm just wondering if there's there is a family or a historic link to the region. Um, actually, no. Uh, my my ancestors are all from Western Europe. Okay. Um, Dutch, Scotland. <laughs> uh, you know, Not bad mix. Scotland, yeah. Uh, Germany, Bavaria. Oh, quality mix then. That's uh, that's what I would say. So, um, you're 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 leaning towards. Uh, I don't I don't want to say it's bad because I, I I think your analysis has been some of the best, and I'm very glad very glad that I found it. Your Discord is uh, really it's not too busy. It's nice. There's a, a enough sort of detail in there for. Well, I don't think it covers 
everything but you know it's a it's a comfy discord put it that way and there's a nice sort of flow of of information for it but it's um yeah there's there's a a, a focus more on russian movements and it's is that just how you, how you perceive the war to be progressing or was there some Against... Well, I mean, as far as how I, I guess how I got to the position I'm in, like I, I, I mean, God, when when the war started, I was pro-Ukrainian. Um, oh, okay. I, I was disgusted by the fact that you know, on H hour, the Ukrainians decided it was a war crime o'clock. Yeah, yeah, um, I mean, it's the same for me. Um... And uh, I've continued to be disgusted. I think the sort of the Russian claim about you know, hey, this is a, I think the sort of Russian position that. Um, this this government in Ukraine has has you know, presents a clear threat to them. Mm. Um, has been, I mean, I, I think it was it, it sounded bad in February. It doesn't sound bad anymore. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's quite quite easy to understand the, the Russian position at this point. <laughs> what did you What did you call it? Hate hate crime clock. <laughs> yeah, yeah. War crime clock. War crime clock. That's right. Um, yeah. The but, yeah, but, the... I mean. And I mean, also, like I, I, my whole time when I was in the in, in the army, I trained to, I was trained basically to fight the Russians. Um, I'm mm. fairly familiar with what they what they've got and what they can do, uh, and what their capabilities are. And the, the the people saying like, oh, we're going to the the the, the line in the West um, saying. Uh, saying you know, hey, the, the you know, Ukraine's going to beat these guys, and we can we can give them these Western wonder weapons, and they'll they'll win the war. I mean, it's just fantasy stuff. Mm. Um, and, and I mean, we we can see this already. You know, the the Russians have, with a fairly small expeditionary force, um, lar- I mean, beaten Ukraine to I mean, really done a lot of damage to Ukraine. Um, and uh, I'd say almost to the point where the Ukrainians have. Uh, largely, um, where they they've uh, significantly, significantly degraded the Ukrainian army's ability to fight, uh, and they've they've significantly depleted uh, even NATO's ability to fight through through the level of support that NATO has had to give Ukraine to keep it from collapsing. Mm. Um, yeah, that's that's an important <laughs> factor, right? <laughs> people people don't really think about. NATO yeah. just spunked all its, uh, all its. And I mean, if you look at what the what the Russians are actually doing as far as mobilization, I mean, they're, they're mobilization. They're mobilizing to finish the war, mm. and they're not doing some massive national mobilization. They're calling up their veterans. Mm. Or they're calling people like me, uh, guys who are you know, sort of a little bit older, who have you know, a little bit older, who have military experience. And, um, and, and, and this are... isn't unique to Russia, right? This happens in no. the U.S. with uh, National Guard, and um, I mean, I I have clear memories of of that happening when I lived in the U.S. When yeah, I mean, this is a situation where if like the United States was in a similar situation, I don't know, maybe we were fighting a war against Iran, and things were not going things were not going as well as we thought they they initially would, because maybe. Maybe the Russians and Chinese were giving the Iranians a blank check of equipment and mm. equipment and troops and uh, money, and the, the Iranians were were really putting up a fight. I mean, I, it would be completely like it. I mean, it would be completely. 
it wouldn't be unusual at all if you know somebody like me got got, got a letter in the mail saying hey we need you back in the military mm. and <laughs> isn't it eight years that you have to remain ready combat uh, ready for yeah, yeah so your um your initial con your your contract is for like my contract was for eight years okay. um i was required to serve four years on active duty and in four years on the reserve in the reserves Okay. Now, I actually, end up in the event. I actually, end up serving more of that. I'm a I'm a complete civilian right now. I'm not a I'm not connected to the military anymore. But um, I mean, it would be it would be you know quite uh, after sort of those uh those reservists who are still sort of contractually obligated to do it um got called up. It would be completely uh it wouldn't be unusual in the slightest for congress to go pass a law saying hey hey we need we need you know people like people people like armchair warlord back in the army right <laughs> so. just get some wheels on that armchair dude straw yeah. motorized yeah. in would you uh, would there be a pit in your stomach if that letter dropped on your mat for something like this like the russians are going to be dealing with or i mean um, not really uh, it's uh, I mean, I, I think I, I would be, um, I mean, of course, it's the, the usual uh, nervousness, like, hey, I'm about to go, I would be about to go off into a very serious war, but mm. at the same time, uh, you sort of, I mean, being a soldier, you sort of make your peace with, hey, uh, this is my job, this is what I'm doing, and uh, if, I mean, I, I think if, you know, Uncle Sam had a further use for my services. I would, and even if it was in a very difficult situation, I'd, I'd be happy to go. Uh, but I mean, what about in the current situation? This, this is. So I had a discussion the other day with a good friend, and he he was saying that he did, he doesn't think that there's the um, commitment in mm -hmm. the United States right now for, uh, as, especially sort of overseas type operations that have been ongoing so pulling pulling the u.s directly into ukraine wouldn't be a feasible option right now for the u.s even even if they wanted to um make moves in that direction um uh, yeah i mean i think the i don't I think mean, the public would support a direct u.s intervention um you can't, said, you can't get the con and not conscripts we can't get people to sign right now right there's this talk of just this demoralization in the in the ranks uh, oh yeah i mean the, the the military hasn't been able to make recruiting targets mm. um, simply because people don't well it, it's it's honestly i'll tell you what's going on it's the the uh the injection of woke politics into the military has made um has made and p people pay attention to this people who want to join the join the army pay attention to what's going on in the army mm. And uh, the injection of postmodern, you know, woke politics into the, into the military has made service unpalatable for a lot of people. Mm, uh, forced, uh, and it's not supposed to be forced, but they are forcing um, vaccines. Uh, on, oh, they absolutely are. I mean, God, God, they kicked out. I, I'd say they absolutely are forcing it. Um, not, not through you know, you know, physical force, but they're they're certainly kicking people out who refuse to get them. Mm. I mean, I think that the last I heard, they were going to kick out almost 100,000 people out of the reserves who refused to get vaccinated, which is a huge number of people. Mm. It's like, yeah. That's like that's, you know, a tenth of the reserve. Oh, that's, your, that's your operational force in, uh, in Ukraine, right? And poof, gone. 
It's like uh, it's like someone did fire the nuke and uh, got direct hit. So that that came up in that interview with Jordan Peterson, right? And his response was, well, the question was, do you think Russia and Putin would use a nuke? And I think I'd be paraphrasing, but Jordan Peterson's response was, yes, why not? Why wouldn't he if he felt the need to? Do you? Well, I, I don't agree with him there. I think the people, in fact, I think a lot of this talk about like nuclear weapons is projection, um, simply because given how ground down a lot of NATO is right now, um, they're, given how ground down a lot of NATO is right now, and given that the, the U.S. hasn't moved any significant forces into Europe. There's no big U.S. army hanging out in Europe ready to defend them from Russia. Um, I mean, if the Russians wanted to ball up their army and yeah, throw it at Europe, what, what would stop them? I mean, the, the, the Poles who only have half their tanks left? Not the French. Uh, the, Put it that way. Yeah, the, 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 the Bundeswehr, which is a skeleton, which, which, which is basically a skeleton right now, and which mm. who's... Leaders have admitted they can't give anything to Ukraine because they'll they'll just be out of it. Um, or I mean the, the and yeah I mean back during the Cold War this was a continual worry on the part of NATO that they were going to uh, that the Soviets were going to break through it when we would have to use nuclear weapons to stop them. Mm. Mm. And well, I think a lot of this talk about oh the Russians are going to they're going to use nuclear bombs. A lot of that is projection on the part of is confession for projection on the part of people in the West who I think they're I think there's there's a lot of worry that if the if the Russians attack you know Europe in a significant way right now there wouldn't be a whole lot to stop mm. um, and the the Russians have so much escalation to do I mean God the the, the current Russian escalation level is they're going to to call up some veterans. Right, so they can get a bigger army to go steamroll Ukraine. Mm. Um, that's so far from we are going to use nuclear weapons in defense of our state uh, is to to almost make the discussion a a little bit of a farce. <laughs> well, it's, it's, you know, Putin brought it up. And my interpretation was that it, it was defensive. If the West is thinking of using it, they ha they have the same. Right. So, well, I'll, I'll tell you why why Putin brought it up. It was to he was it was a brushback against certain um, certain because what we've seen even going back into February, March was was the immediate react was the a lot of people, you know, think tanker types in the West were pushing to destroy Russia mm. um, to you know break up Russia into fifteen different states or something like that. And this is this has continued to be a thing they're pushing mm. yeah. and. That there's so I, th I think Putin brought up this whole thing about like, hey, you realize we have nuclear weapons and we're not going to let you let you invade and destroy our country, right? Mm. But is there? But I mean, the the Russians are so far short of that on the actual escalation spectrum that I, I think this was mostly just a reminder on his part, just saying, you're the, these these fan these scenarios you're dreaming up, you're dreaming up, they're fantasies. This will uh, never happen. And he did. Look, he, he he seemed very, very serious and determined in that speech. And, you know, I 
I wasn't expecting, and like I say, but as soon as he re- he said the numbers and the the well, he didn't say the numbers, but he, you know, he said the mobilization, and then then the numbers came out, and um, I don't I don't think I can ever think of a corollary in my life where something so geopolitically dangerous has happened as as to that the the escalation that came with that speech um i don't know if you have a a, a, a different opinion to that but um it it changed it changed very much the nature of the conflict in my mind and again i'm 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 picking i'm trying to pick your brain because i just i'm just looking for the slightest um bit of data that would say okay what what do you look for in the in the coming months what happens if the 300,000 aren't enough what happens if the the ukrainians get well, I mean, there's, been, there's been talk that russians could mobilize far more than that if they need to um I mean, if the given the the extent to which the Ukrainians have mobilized, I mean, this would be a similar effort on the part of the Russians to produce would actually produce you know, a million men, mm. uh, yeah, a, a large World War II style army, which the Russians have the have the sort of equipment stockpiled to to, to equip, mm. um, and I, I think that that would. I mean, I think that would not only doom Ukraine; it would it would place Western Europe under significant threat. Mm. Um, I, I think the, and, and yeah, I mean, I think the, certainly the Russians have, and to a lesser extent, NATO have been uh, careful to sort of keep this war in a box as much as possible, um, sort of to and try to I mean, contain to the, the Moscow ship, right? Yeah. I w- I would say that w- that was a NATO action, um, NATO weaponry, NATO intelligence. Whether whether it was a missile, or they got um, some mines onto the hull or something. I I do think they were in there um, from very early on, trying to press. I don't know to to provoke Russia into into. Uh, are we giving? Uh, NATO, what we want by es- by Russia escalating, it gives the excuse for NATO to expand well, as well. I, I think at this point that that NATO has does not have a lot of gas left in the tank to to escalate. Um, yeah, I mean, not because, if Russia turns the taps off, dude. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. That, I mean, literally. But the, <laughs> I mean, we we've seen that NATO has been willing to very willing to provide equipment. Um, equipment advisors, training intelligence, but what they have have not been willing to provide, and have always been very clear they're not going to provide, um, is is troops, or at least officially troops. They're they're not going to intervene. And moreover, the the ability of NATO to intervene has been declining because so much of their stuff has gotten blown up in Ukraine mm-hmm. after it was donated. Mm-hmm. So the, uh, I mean, I think the that. NATO is increasingly looking at a situation in which Russia can escalate, and they and they can't without um, without uh, placing themselves in a very dangerous situation. Mm. I mean, certainly NATO could, you know, intervene, 
um, but it would be fairly obvious it was coming from it was coming, especially because uh, well, well, d- d- is it is it, it, the... but it would have to be it would have to be a U.S. led operation. And right. And thus far, I haven't seen any indication the U.S. is going to any indication the U.S. is going to you know move some huge army to Europe and go fight the Russians. D- but does it have to be a huge a huge army? Can't they um, enforce no fly zones? Put a uh, symbolic number of uh, troops into Kiev and say uh, that they're peacekeeping right now, rather rather than uh, as a as an offensive. Um, well, as an offensive, yeah, as an army that they that they could easily position themselves such that they 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 could allow escalation right now. I mean that I think that's a possibility, but I also, you know, I certainly I don't have any kind of inside information on this, but I, 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 I keep asking everyone. Yeah, I suspect the Russians have made it clear that if if NATO tried that, they would just they would just blow them off. <laughs> and it wouldn't be. A, uh, how would it? I, I how would it be Russia. staged if they were going to do it? If we would, what to look for? They they start staging in France, Germany. Well, and also the the other other issue with that would be if because actually this this ties back into, into what you were asking was even a limited intervention would require would require maneuvers to ensure the Russians didn't call the bluff. Mm. Right. So even if we were going to send a small number of troops in, we would have to have a large number of troops stationed by, standing by in Poland, or at least like you know a large number of aircraft mm. um, to. Uh, uh, if we were going to say, "Hey, hey, look, Russia, we're we're going to put this tripwire in place. Hey, don't don't go into Kiev. We have troops in Kiev now. Well, we have to back it up with something credible. And right now, that that there that credible that there isn't the force in Europe uh, to really make that credible. We'd have to move a lot of stuff there from the United States, even if it was just a token force. If it's a token force with nothing backing it up, the Russians are going to blow it up and then look at us and be like, "Okay, what are you going to do now?" <laughs> And like, and there would be very little we could do at least immediately. Um, I, I, you might like this. Uh, some one of our meme artists came up with this. Let me just uh, share the share my screen with you. <laughs> Enjoy this. In 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 light of uh, a token force being um, blown up, let me do. This. Let me make this. I, I, so, someone just needs to find the uh, a good uh, soundtrack overlay for uh, this particular gem. It's just six seconds long. A W. Um, I'm just trying to. Your your uh, your viewers are spare your viewers from my male pattern baldness. Ah, that, that, that's why we're hard, dude. like you do. Yeah, man. Just uh, I, I, I sit under the air conditioner, and th- with the head injury as well, it just I, oh, I, I, I have to, I have to have something. Um, I don't know if you can see this, right? Is, is the screen sharing? Yeah, I can see it. Yeah, yeah. This, this one is great. <laughs> <laughs> so that 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 one will get turned into uh, uh, an icon, <laughs> an emoji. <That's> nice. <laughs> Like that. There's there's some talented uh, uh, people on the on the Discord, man. They they make some hilarious stuff. <laughs> nuclear nuclear eyes going off. 
Actually, I, I, was, I was wanted to ask you for the uh, for the artillery pieces. Were there? Were there? I know. That, I know they made them a long time ago. Are, are they part of the repertoire now to have small artillery fired nuclear? Shells? Uh, yeah, they, they've still got those. Actually, the Russians showed off some of their <clears throat> their uh, artillery-fired nuclear shells just a couple of months ago at an arms expo. Ah, where where would I find that? Uh, hey, uh, let me let me look. Let me look. Please do. Let me let me turn my screen share off. And uh, it's stop. Oh, yeah, okay. That 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 brings it back, but um. Yeah, this is uh shout out to Je Suis Fromage for uh that, that little gem. <laughs> um y- you know, there was a steely look in Putin's eye at that speech. And then and then to to juxtapose it, we had Biden in the UN. Uh I was I would say it was about twelve hours later, the speech. Yeah. And you know, when you heard Putin speak, it was very much about pr- protection of their borders, their people, um, ve- very much Russia-centric. Putin has his, um, his well, he, he's doing his job, if you want my opinion. Biden gets up on the podium, bumbles his first lines. Uh, within within seconds, and then and then again puts everything into the context of um, globalization. Uh, you know, part of his speech was, "Oh, it's been a terrible year because of floods and the the climate and all all these things and everything that he was listing off, right?" And when I would compare it to Putin's speech, everything about Putin's speech, I I could get behind. Everything that if Biden was the he's supposed to be uh, the figurehead and spokesperson for the the culture that I come from, there was nothing in it for me. Yeah, uh, it's just global. Just nonsense about globalization. It's, mm. it's not. Mm. Yeah, and I mean, every time I've seen I've seen Putin speak, it's just he. I mean, he's fairly forthright about what he's what he's. And he's really been forthright and direct about, hey, this this is what we're doing. It's um, very eloquent as well. Yeah. Um, and I I bet you he speaks perfect English. He just doesn't. Uh, he doesn't. Uh, he keeps. Yeah, it probably. Well, he used to be in the KGB. I'm sure they taught him all kinds of languages. Yeah. So someone put a clip in the Discord the other day, and it was it's an old classic clip of putin turning up and just giving some factory owners uh, a good a good telling off have you seen that one? Oh yeah i did see that the one where he was uh i guess they were going to shut down the factory and he was he came in he was just giving him giving him the business and then he was like he's like i've got a document here it says says oh it's signed by all the, the factory owners you guys are going to restart this place it's like yeah, you all sign this you all sign this i'll see your signature come over here and sign this then like the guy, like the, this guy who's a billionaire oligarch, like comes over there with this little butter and he signs it. He starts walking off Putin's pen. Putin's like, "Give me my pen back." Yeah, I know. What Chad <laughs> move, right? <laughs> but in in that in that interaction when he's talking with people, you know, he, he's always talking about the lives being affected. 
he th- th- this is this is the and again I, I'm getting it secondhand through tr- translation, but someone someone needs to show me where he's scheming to take over Europe or I haven't haven't seen anything like that. You know you know, you know the most severe yeah, accusation. His mother yeah, was yeah. Jewish, so therefore he must he must be working for the Jews. That that's crazy. <laughs> well, that's 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 what I hear and. Um, I, I'm not buying that. Um, it 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 doesn't it doesn't jive with what I've seen in the last six months. They shut down a bunch of Habad Libovich um, organizations in Russia as the as the conflict started up, and I think I think they were very. Um, how, how should we say? I, I don't want to say aggressive, but I, I think they made it very clear about gas pipelines. As as Europe was worrying about gas, Israel was saying, "Oh, we can supply gas, and we can we can build pipelines to uh, Ukraine." It's a, it's a short hop, skip, and a jump. And Russia, Russia was very clear that, that they weren't going to allow that. And you know, I I don't want to come off as the Papi Putin fanboy. In, in but again, he's the one speaking sense to me. I, I would I would want to be critical of him but and and until someone can really give well, it's like a, Vladimir Putin has a lot of things but he's not he's not some some crazed dictator and he's not he's not a madman no um, in fact he's in fact I mean if you look at like Russian policy over the last 20 years when he's been in power I mean the Russians made significant sacrifices to integrate into European institutions they yeah. joined they were you know, up until up until March when the ECHR um you know, decided to go off its meds. I mean, the Russians were part of the the European. You know, they were subject to the jurisdiction of the European Court of Human Rights, mm. and that they were a significant part of its docket. Because I mean, Russia's Russia's Russia, right? But I mean, you could, if I don't know you got your ass kicked by the Russian police, you could you know, go to the ECHR and complain about it, and the, the Russians would actually do something about it. <laughs> like, mm. Mm. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I, I think I we made terrible strategic mistake in in pushing the russians in the direction that we have look and this is this is something that popped up in in my discord and i i I clipped the the headline and basically what it was that because the energy costs are now so high multiple reasons that it actually has shifted industries to the u.s um, yeah, I saw that. There's a bunch of European industries that are now moving production to the United States just because our our energy costs are are still sane because we have our own sources. And in this instance, is it is it fair to get a little paranoid that 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 was a that was an aim here that they they wanted to, uh, you know straight being forthright this is a u.s driven war via nato as the proxy and i'm not saying all u.s i would say very much a biden sphere of influence in in this um imbroglio for want of a better expression and um what what was this a calculation that they've they've taken in that um that, that Industries that the important industries have moved out. I think you're. I think you're giving the Biden administration far too much credit as far as being intelligent about planning things. <laughs> right. 
Yeah. Uh, I, think, I think a lot of the stuff that people sort of think is planned in this war has actually been just kind of events shaking out in, in such a way that it benefits one side or the other, but it's not really, like, nobody's scheming behind the scenes, like, we're going to do all this stuff. It's just uh, I, I, like, um <laughs> Hunter Biden isn't sitting there scratching down who yeah. he can give money to and um, all those. Again, you know, my interest lies in these billions of dollars that were poured in and, and in the stream I did earlier today, again, we were looking through those papers and, and for the billions that had been poured into Ukraine, they managed 10 scientific publications. 10. Yeah. Right? That's uh, Yeah, it's so the output of like one a, person. Like one, one person makes 10 papers. I've got like 27, right? And, and, and that's like averaging one a year for my career, right? And <laughs> so there's something going on there that I'm very, very um, concerned has the, has the capability to spiral because we're not, f we don't fully understand what it is yet, but we, we do have some indicator that it's a, um, it, it's more on the, uh, perverse is the wrong, the wrong adjective here, but the, the, the WMD spectrum and next next generation biologicals, and that Ukraine has been a test ground for them to look for them, to ship them out of country. We know that they were doing this with diplomatic packages. Um, I think part of um, it happened at the beginning of the conflict when even the World Health Organization was saying you've got to shut down, get get all the samples out. And they, um, well, they, they, they did. Um, and, you know, I, I understand Russia's annoyance at this program being done on their doorstep. I, I don't, hard to blame them for it. Mm. Mm. And, you know, They've tried it. Look, it's not. It's not like they just willy nilly made the made that accusation. They've done it multiple times. Tried to bring it up at the at the UN multiple times. This last effort um, again was dismissed very very um, swiftly by by the West, and I would I would say too swiftly. Right, that, that they it's, have. It's a matter of just you know shutting out. I mean, we saw this with we saw this with COVID. Mm. It's a matter of shutting down any sort of dis any sort of discussion and introspection of what's happening. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and it, it it leads to very very dangerous, um, contentious domains that have the the capacity to spiral out of control. <laughs> Look, I had a friend email me or was in Discord. Their heating went out this morning um, in Germany, funnily enough. And, you know, they, they relate to me the cold shower was painful, right? Because they couldn't, they couldn't heat the water. It's not cold yet outside. Yeah. It's, it's, not that, um, it's, it's not that deep, chill, Central European freeze that you get. And, hmm. 
you had, if, <laughs> are you a betting man? AEW? Not really. <laughs> What 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 about uh, Bayesian analysis for probabilities? How 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 much how much do you give for Germany being able to stick out a whole winter with no gas? Oh god, it's it's gonna be bad. The the, the winter is uh, it's already getting bad in Europe, and it's it's gonna get much worse. Mm. <clears throat> I mean, you, you it's what it just started to get cold last month, and already we've got. Just insane energy prices and people complaining about cold showers. Mm, yeah. Like, let's imagine what's going to look like in February. Yeah, and you have the you have this trifecta coming. Disrupted supply lines, which essentially, so so food becomes harder to get hold of, especially for the poorer. You've got the you've got the illnesses that are probably of synthetic origin and now you've got war and yeah it, it could get really really nasty and unpredictable over the over the next month and yeah i wish i wish i had better better cheerier outlook on, on this but I, I i don't and everything that you tell me it just seems to seems to confirm in my mind that it that it is a a clusterfuck basically. We, it, we've... I mean, yeah, it really is. This this war has. Um, I mean, this this war has already destroyed the hegemonic system, um, which the United States enjoyed pre-war. It, yes. you know, like it's. You, you can't you can't put the genie back in the bottle of cutting of, you know cutting Russia out of Swift. Mm. Um, that 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 isn't going to go back in the bottle. Mm. Uh, you can't uh, you can't put the genie back in the bottle of the increasing decentralization we've seen worldwide. That's and you and I mean we're going to be looking at a post-war situation, regardless of how things in Ukraine turn out, where much of Europe is going to be economically devastated, mm. um, which is uh, which is going to have you know really significant effects on. The power and influence of the West going forward, because so much of it has been thrown into thrown into the bonfire of Ukraine. Mm. Actually, I, I, let, let me, if you don't mind me, I'm returning to a much earlier conversation track about the the end strength of the Russian army. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I did go and did go and look that up, and it's sort of. Well, I just uh, did go and look uh, look that up right now, just so I can contextualize this. Um, so. My understanding is essentially talk, um, talk about the Russian army having two million people, and that's that's sort of a uh, that that's uh, kind of a figure much like saying like the U.S. military has two million people in it, which is kind of like yes, there's two million people who are sort of on the on the payroll in some way, shape, or form, but they're um, the actual number Janice. of like combat troops is much lower. <laughs> right. I think that the Russian army has like about about uh, like I think that the two million figures for the entire Russian military, and out of that the Russian military is like one and a half, and out of that the only about one is actually it's only about a million like proper soldiers. I think a lot of the the other I think a lot of that is, is uh, there's a lot of non-combatant civilians etc. who are sort of on, on the military payroll. Um, so I think that the Russian military has about about a million soldiers, 
uh, sort of ready to go. And of that, uh, you know, of that, you know, 137,000 conscripts. So they're not going to be uh, sort of eligible for the, the operation. And then a great deal of that mass is going to be you know, the sort of support and administration, you know, rear echelon services you see in any army. So um, the, the addition of 300,000 uh, yeah, combat troops into sort of and, and the front end of this is going to be a, a very significant increase in increase in like combat power. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's these are numbers hard to visualize. I mean, what what I mean, even a crowd at like a good stadium full. If you've ever been at one, that's that's if even if you said fifty, sixty thousand people, that's a that's a that's a pretty heavy chunk of human beings um, walking around. And uh, I've, like I said, I've been in it. Um, it's not war; it's just football, right? But um, you you can get swept along with the crowd, right? Real, real easy because there's so many. But the um, you, you've got this. You've still got this lead time, and why? So okay, let let me rephrase this question somewhat. So, in your estimate, in your estimation, how much military hardware, in terms of tanks and artillery and planes, have been deployed in the? You lowballed this figure with a hundred thousand men as part of this expeditionary force. So, as far as um. I mean, my, my my estimate on this is I think the Russians, and th this is the entire Russian, I think the, the entire Russian force in theater in this, including the DPR and LPR, who aren't part of the Russian army. Um, they have their own separate militaries. I mean, I, I don't think the Russians have more than probably, as of last month, um, had more than, you know, I'd say 60 battalions in theater. I'd say it's probably on the high side as far as their their front line. And that's, that's not a lot of, that's not a lot of guys. I mean, and yeah, now, how many tanks for that, and how many artillery pieces? Uh, I mean, 60, 60 battalion tactical groups, uh, that would be about 600 tanks, um, about 1,800 APCs. Um, oh, now, now, this would be if they were all organized in a certain way. It's probably closer to eight or 900 tanks, about 1,500 APCs. Um, it's, it's and about you know, about well, half what I was thinking. I, I was thinking there yeah. would be like a couple of thousand tanks. Um, yeah. Well, so. I think the Russians invaded um, you know, back in February with a force of about twice this size. But a lot of the, my impression is a lot of those troops who came out of the north never really got redeployed south. They just sort of went back to home station. Okay. And the, the reports of them not being able to fuel tanks and uh, you think there was any... Truth about... Oh, not truth about... Uh, no, no, I, I mean... I mean, there there's been a, there's been a lot of talk about the Russians having logistical problems, but none of that has been borne out by the situation on the ground. Mm. Um, the Russians are firing thousands and thousands of artillery shells, and they seem to be moving their troops around the country just fine. So I don't think they have any any kind of fuel or ammunition problems. Mm. Mm. Whereas and Ukraine they, does, right? They they don't yeah, have they, they the do. they don't have the Soviet shells to fire in their tubes right so now now they're completely dependent on the u.s systems 
uh, or NATO uh, well, systems. They're, they're dependent to a considerable extent on, on Western systems and also on uh, importing. Uh, there's also like, uh, I mean, they're also getting a lot of ammunition for Soviet stuff from, from Europe. Because um, they're, and actually, this, this is a, something I don't think a lot of that gets the proper emphasis in, in Western analysis is that the extent to which uh, NATO's like combat power uh, was depend has been dependent on uh, Soviet equipment that's the legacy of the Warsaw Pact in Eastern European countries. I got a lot of the Soviet equipment has been given to Ukraine. So, so. <laughs> I've, got, I've got to ask this, right? So if it's Soviet, we're talking 40 years old, how comfortable yep. would you be loading that shell into a gun and putting in the propellant? <laughs> I don't know, I mean, yanking on that. Ammunition keep, keeps pretty well. I wouldn't be too worried about it. But I mean, it's certainly, certainly even artillery shells do have an expiration date. No, but I, I mean, I mean, God, when I was... When I was in the U.S. Army, was remanufacturing artillery ammunition we made for Vietnam. Oh, really? Like, it, yeah, it's, it was completely unusual to see you know Vietnam or ammo show up out of a bunker somewhere, hmm. just because it, I mean it, it's explosives and steel. As long as you keep it dry, it's not it's it's it doesn't really go bad. <laughs> but what about what about the propellant charge that they sort of stick in afterwards? Is that yeah? Well, uh, yeah. I mean, d those can go bad, especially if they're stored in hot weather conditions. Um, Stuff stored in Europe, I wouldn't be too worried about just because it's probably going to be in a bunker somewhere, which is going to be pretty cool. And it's in Europe, so it's not going to have crazy climactic effects going happening on it. So I wouldn't be too worried about using old old Soviet ammo, but it certainly is an, an increased risk. Mm. Yeah, I can uh... <laughs> I can imagine, but the. And the stuff you really got to watch out for is like if it's been stored improperly, or you know, if it's something that got manufactured in the Middle East, maybe, and it you know, was stored in the desert for a while, and those all that gunpowder was kind of cooking in the cooking in the heat for a few years. Mm -mm. Well, I mean, I, I've always catch. I, I'm going to pay a price for all the war porn that I've watched over the years. I know it, but. Um... I don't know. There was always I always used to get a giggle, not giggle, but you know, when when they've got their cameras with their mortar tubes and uh, they drop a, <laughs> they drop one in and boom, it doesn't it doesn't do what it's supposed to do and takes out the the little mortar crew that's uh, and I'm thinking, oh yeah, you're dealing with old old Soviet hardware that looks all dinged up and uh, doesn't doesn't look the freshest. Uh, yeah, there's been a lot of really scary-looking munitions used in Ukraine. You see just, like, bombs that are all rusty and <laughs> shells that are all rusty. And you're like, man, this is, uh, yeah, this is, this is uh, a little and, bit and, concerning. And you're asking, look, the I, I believe the footage that they were showing when the uh, the orders came through, you know, there were men leaving yeah. their families and... Um, you know, it seemed it, it it's it's emotional experience to put people through, I I would argue, and 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 to be sending them into the type of warfare that I personally thought was a thing of the past. I I, I if you'd have told me a year ago that we'd be seeing what we're seeing right now, um, trench warfare, trench warfare that's gone to the nth degree with these little drones dropping um 
hand grenades and explosives. I saw one today. There's two soldiers sleeping in a... It was a basically looked like a crater from a, sh a shell exploding. And dang, man, they dropped that sucker right on, on them. And um, I don't know if they lived or not, but it, it certainly certainly got them to move real quick and um yeah I, I i i'd grown used to war becoming very clinical and very um i would say almost tv orientated because everything came through the the camera feeds and uh, do, do you get what i mean there wasn't yeah i understand it's all very it's all you know very um <laughs> video gamey almost yeah yeah that's, that's and then, yeah we we see how i mean and what, what i what i hope the there is some uh, some uh realization uh in the in the west out of this war is like this is a serious business mm. um, it's an incredibly serious business and i mean yeah it's a war and you see just piles of bodies mm. you know men killed um, and it, it's a it's it's a terrible thing, and it, yeah. it and it's it's not something that people should. <laughs> you see all these these idiots on Twitter, and they're just like cheering on like a bunch of. I know, I, I, I know. They're it's... Like, they're like glorying in it, and it, it's 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 nasty. It's mm. it's and, and it sort of makes you uh, yeah, it it shakes your faith in humanity. Honestly, like you realize, like I mean, what. See, you see wine moms on Twitter cheering on, you know, people getting blind. Wine moms. <laughs> right? it's, it's, it's terrible. I'm and, stealing um, that one, dude. Wine moms. That's yeah. great. Yeah. I, I, I swear to God, a lot of these, a lot of these, you know, people with the Ukraine flags in their profiles mm. who just post anything insane. They're just wine moms who are bored. Mm. Yeah. And look, look, I'll, I'll make a snarky comment at surreal pictures. There was one this week where I don't, I, don't, I don't know what happened is it's obviously a shell exploded in a civilian street there's there's bodies torn yeah. in half and um there was just one shot where you know, it was a lady she'd lost her lost her legs but her handbag was just sort of perfectly perfectly placed next to the body and you know I, I, I yeah look i was i was in a um mess about mood mood and you know i was like oh that that's gonna make a great advert for gucci handbags right they can they can survive oh, even <laughs> but you know i i do that's i do feel it, right but um i i'm not i'm not there glorifying the um the people being killed for me are, are, people being lost on both sides in this war is a tragedy in, in my mind because they are they are so close there are families that are probably being forced to fight each other uh, under circumstances that they, they normally wouldn't and that's a, yeah it's a, it's a sad reflection it's a sad reflection on the west that we would initiate and get and have this proxy war and not care about that it's like we're, we're i mean what what's i mean you just look at what, what people are saying to justify this right good old dan crenshaw like oh yeah this is this is just a way we can bleed down the russians you know it's mm. it's cheap we're not we're not having to use our own troops we're just we're just hurting russia 
Mm. But uh... it's like, like that's that's some very fine sentiment there, sir. Mm. Um, you, you, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you're just enjoying looking at the piles of bodies, right? Um, yeah, he's like, a psychopath. Uh, that one. And... Yeah, or you know, it, 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 you know our our, uh, our good old congressman uh, Adam Kinzinger, who saw who, who was not only spreading fake news about this, but he was he was he was celebrating explicitly saying he was like, yeah, I just celebrate all these dead Russian paratroopers yeah. on Twitter in public. It's like, yeah, I just that, that's what I'm thankful for. I, I yeah, and the, the the worst thing about this was this was just completely fake news, right? But there was some some news very early in the war about you know. Yeah, you know, a Russian transport plane's getting shot down, full of mm. paratroopers, and he was he was just glorying in that. It's the most insane stuff. Yeah, it's it's nauseating, and um, again, I, you know, I'm I'm always conscious of treading into this subject because of you know, um, there are people who have served like yourself, and I, you know, I know a few others that I speak to regularly, and um, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to seem like I'm, I don't know, gore chasing or I, I, I don't, I don't know what to call it. Cause that, that's what you often see people doing, right? They want it. They want to get. Well, the... And this is, this is something I actually, I, when I was on Twitter, I, I, I tried very hard to avoid, um, which is that I, I didn't post any gore, which is probably how I didn't get banned. And I, I mean, I talked about what was happening, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't like post pictures. And I would, um, <laughs> and also that this is, this is also like I wouldn't trivialize what was happening, which I, I always. Oh, but I'm, I'm guilty of that, dude. Like in, in the Middle East wars, I, I'd watch that gun cam footage and, um, I'm not. I'm not saying I don't watch this stuff, but I, I don't. I don't like. I never. I wouldn't spread it. Uh. Well, I, I don't know if I'll spread it, but um. You know, if there if there was a a good uh, ten minute of uh, gun runs from Apache helicopters, yeah, I'd I'd click on that. There there was a time when YouTube was a bit of a free for all, and you you get all you, kinds. You remember, I mean, yeah, back in the live late days when you could just go online and watch anything, mm. the crazy stuff. Mm. Yeah. I mean, um, that's not something that people should be. But, but here you see people just spreading like live leak tier stuff on mm. Twitter mm. constantly. And they're, they're just no no self awareness at all. Like, hey, there's, there's tons of people dying here. Mm. Yeah. Um, well, the it's imperative on the people in charge to put a stop to it. And I guess um, now we're now we're going to try and see that. I, I'm, it, it, do you think it fair assumption to say that? Russia was hoping for a more easy capitulation with respect to Ukraine, and yeah, it, I mean, I think it's it's a. I don't think it's a fair assumption. I think it's known. Um, I mean, the, the Russians wanted a political settlement. They were willing to make considerable concessions um, and you know, climb downs from what they initially stated as their war goals were to get a political settlement mm. in back in April and. Uh, and, and yeah, that, that got frustrated. Mm, yeah, it's very, very sad. And and I have to I have to commend you for doing a very good job on your Discord. It's not a it's not a gore fest. It's very tactical and um, 
There's a lot of... Uh, well, you, actually, you know what? I wanted to ask you if you saw this report, and I, I meant to post it in your Discord and say, is there any Russian speaker that could um, translate? What, was it true what I was seeing? Maybe someone can put the link in the chat, which was apparently it's Putin speaking to military forces. I don't know the year. The, the video has got a couple of translations on it, Arabic, um, English, and I want to say maybe uh, Spanish or French. And he's, if the translation is to be, be believed, he's he's specifically talking about the depopulation agendas being pushed by the West, and that they're they're specifically coming for Russia in in this in this respect. And again, if that's true. I find myself very much in agreement with him. Well, actually, I just learned this yesterday and it shocked me was um, uh, Andrews Asland, who has been one of the most anti-Russian voices on social media. Um, he's rabidly anti-Russian. Uh, he, I didn't realize this at the time, but um, he, uh, he was a big advisor to Yeltsin. Um, back right after the end of the the, the fall of the Soviet Union in ninety one to ninety four, mm. he was intimately involved in in a series of economic reforms that devastated the Russian economy. Oh, he's good, good, good friends with Jeffrey Sachs then. Yeah, mm. uh, yeah, I think he was one of the people who worked for Jeffrey Sachs. Mm. Um, right sure in Russia. Was that, but, yeah, but I mean, he he was he was in his up in it. And he, he was in that stuff up to his neck, apparently. And I mean, it, and so you have, I mean, God, like the, the extent to which, um, yeah, I mean, there's just vultures moved in after Russia, you know, in the post-Soviet days. Um, and the, the, you see the malevolence of these people on, on Twitter nowadays, because they don't hide it at all. Like the, these are the people who are advising Yeltsin. And you, you wonder why, you wonder why the Russians are angry? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I was, I was having a bit of a correspondence back before. I, I, I don't want to say who, but sort of well-known well individual. Um, and I, I wanted to talk about Jeffrey Sachs, basically. So Jeffrey Sachs somehow is involved in the investigation into SARS-CoV-2, right? And just a, as, a, as a tangent to shoot yeah. off, he's, he's literally come out in the last couple of weeks and basically said, yes, this looks like a lab origin um, pathogen. And the people that I was supposed to be working with, who were um, the professionals in the field, were all colluding and, in and engaged in conflicts of interest. Now, I've never, I'd, I'd never had a really good opinion of Sachs. Um, but I do think he, uh, well, I don't know whether he's covering his ass or, or what, but he did, he did come out and say things are very, very wrong about the, um, the, the orthodox narrative being pushed on people, okay? Um, and you you have to put that in the context. Well, that's the same person who had the idea of economic shock therapy for uh, Russia. And so I'm, I'm, yeah, behind the facade of easy speaking, because he, he does speak quite well, very, very eloquent individual. Um, there's a degree of ah, mer mercenary thinking, 
I, I, I don't know how to how to really define it. But yeah, there's there's it's not hard to find people who are angry at what happened to Russia after the fall of the Berlin Wall and um, all the promises that were given. I, I yeah. remember them. Um, yeah, I was as a child at the time, and I, <clears throat> I mean, I, I remember. Yeah, people were um, that there was sort of a uh, sort of the idea, you know, that the the, the you know, Eastern Europe, Russia, were going to uh, enter the capitalist promised land. It never mm. happened. Mm. No, they got pillaged, yeah. and and in as a consequence of that pillaging, they did they did seem to build some degree of stability back into into their country's operations you know like the like the pen episode i guess as a as a sort of archetype response that they had and look i'm not saying russia is perfect but i i i would like le our leaders to be using the type of language that i see putin using not the yeah the the language of this is the, the language of um, this is what I'm going to do for 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 my people, mm. which would I mean, and Trump did this. Yeah, right. Trump was the one the one Western leader who was like, "This is what I'm doing for America." And he's not talking about some globalist nonsense. He's like, "I this is what I want to do for America, and I'm going to look out for American interests." Mm. And you saw what happened. I mean, he had a very prosperous and peaceful administration, mm. even with cleaning up the mess he got left. <laughs> Yeah, we, we go back to globalists, and it turns to hell. <laughs> yes, yeah, and um, the fact that people can't see that, and again, I get that Trump is a divisive figure, and you know, I, I don't think anyone's. Uh, spotless... no, I mean, he's a divisive figure because of a psyop run against him. I mean, mm -hmm. back in the back in the nineties, Democrats all loved him. He was friends with the Clintons. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, I mean, he's definitely not sketchy. The Clintons are. <laughs> well, that's that's a contact and an association that should just say, well, you know, maybe, maybe uh, not be such a, a devotee of him. But uh, you know, I I got into this argument with this woman. I don't know if I, well, did we talk about this last time we were talking. And I, I was oh, in oh. New York, and um, it was a it was a meeting through this funding agency, and Trump had just been in. I would say about a year or so, a bit more than a year. And I don't know, it's after wine and we're, we're, everyone's walking back to the hotel. And this this woman had severe Trump derangement syndrome, like like, like pouring out of every pore and palpable. And I, I, I said, you know what? This is the first American president since um, 1990 when when they went from for Saddam Hussein that didn't have a war literally within the first year to 18 months of their presidency. And she was livid. Livid at that. It's like, it's like, God forbid that, that, that the mean orange man is able to, is able to accomplish all these, these things, which all these politicians on both sides of the aisle had been claiming they were going to do and failed to do. Mm. Well, you had Graham and uh, I always forget his name. Um, McCain. Yeah, McCain. You know, the, the, the videos of them being in Ukraine and, and egging on Azov battalions 
and <laughs> what's that? So, so like, we're, we're going to let you guys take the offensive against the Russians. Uh, you realize that your that the government of Ukraine signed a little peace trip, like a peace deal with the Russians that you're you're telling them not to implement now. Mm. This, yeah. it, it, it's like, it's it's gross. World War One started over less. <laughs> it's gross, dude. And I I'm uh, again I'm I I fear I fear the worst for the US. I really I really hope. Um, some sense returns to the, to the country. Um, you know, this is this is something I wanted to ask you about. Um, you know, we had a, a very long sort of roundtable yesterday where we were discussing. You know, we have all the evidence that we need with respect to um, malfeasance with uh, with car uh, cars SARS, and um, we need we need to this uh, this group that uh, we you know we're often in contact really need to be reaching out uh, in the next six weeks to be reminding people that um, these events took place that there were very deliberate decisions and and I would say that have led up to what with the mess that we're seeing right now the reason that we're talking is uh, you can trace it back to uh, these these decisions that were made in these organisations. And I would I would just ask. Um, oh, we're still streaming as well. I'm just asking public favours, folks. Just uh, there you go. Yeah. Um, if you could reach out to Barnes, I know I know I asked you to do this before, but again, my Twitter gets zapped so regularly that um, it's it's impossible for me to maintain contacts there. But we. We really need to get this message home that there were, that it was different four four years ago. No, it's not. It's not quite four years. It's two years, right? That he was the last ele when he lost the election. This is the midterm. Yeah, right? yeah. 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 So two years ago. It feels like a lifetime. <laughs> Just not a long two years. Yeah. <laughs> Say that again, bro. Um. And yeah, I would I would just ask if you if you could just keep putting word out. We're trying to just get like we'll go we'll go and speak anywhere to anyone about about these issues because people people need to hear it and understand it, right? And the the fact that we're dealing with something that basically acts as a binary biological agent, right? With the with the I don't want to get taken down off YouTube, but the medical intervention versus exposure mm -hmm. to the the virus itself. Now, some people seem robust enough that um, it's not an issue, but there's a lot where it's it is having an impact, and a lot of people in the United States have lost someone that they know, know someone who's been hurt either from the disease. Or from the again the medical intervention, and this story shouldn't get subsumed in the lead up to the midterms because they throw out some nonsense. They're going to find another Hunter Biden laptop with dick pics on, and right. And what what I'm most terrified about, honestly, is the is. Uh, yeah, is shenanigans involving the midterms. I'm not sure how much we can talk about that. Well, I can ban off YouTube, but uh... oh, wow! I mean, if you can't talk politics on YouTube, then uh, uh, the, the platform is literally dead. 
Um, yeah. like, like... Well, let me just put it this way. I'm concerned they're going to fortify the, the midterms. They're going to what? To fortify the midterms. But, well, my concern is that they're going to just escalate. Because Russia is escalating, they, they, they will step up and say, okay, we're, we're doing the same. We're in a state of, I don't know if they could say war, but a, a state of national emergency because mm -hmm. of decisions taken by Russia. Is that a possibility? Because it's something I'm worried about. Yeah, well, I mean, it's certainly a possibility that they wouldn't, they wouldn't, I mean, they're not going to cancel elections over it. Um, yeah, I think. They, they have to have the election, but I'm, I'm concerned that there's, there's going to be very, very significant shenanigans uh, involved. And may, maybe this is me being paranoid. Um, maybe well, they're, they're they're <laughs> going too hard. So certainly, condition, certainly things are bad here right now. And I think yeah. that. The likely thing that's going to happen is the Republicans are going to, to have significant gains. Well, but. until until those servers kick in and suddenly the the results switch around and um, yeah. you know it, it, every everything looks um, corrupted right now, and you know what what would it take for them? Yeah, as a hypothetical, what would it take for them to postpone elections in in the next? When would it be? November sixth is the yeah right. So between now and then, what what would it take from Russia for the U.S. to say we can't? We're going to have to postpone elections till New Year. I and, mean, I think it would have to be yeah a major war. Probably, we uh, have to go to war. Are, are, are we not close to that point? I'd say we're we're not we're not at that point right now. And to an extent, the further the further on we go into October without without troops moving, um, we're I'd say honestly that the window of danger uh, for let's say elements within the Biden administration um, to <laughs> seeking to kick off some kind of geopolitical conflict to uh, seem to kick off a war to perhaps boost uh, or, or the, hide what the, they've uh, been doing yeah. uh, this, this is my concern that they've been up to such nefarious shenanigans in that in that country that they that they would do anything to hide it yeah well I, I mean I, I think honestly the I think actually if we can I, I, if I can I give you Give you a white pill here. I, actually, I think the Please. window of opportunity to do that is closing, if not closed already. I've mentioned this on several occasions that if we were going to go fight a war with Russia, we would need to. Um, I mean, certainly we would need to move a large number of ground forces into into Europe, and that would be a matter of weeks, if not months. That, um, does does it though? You know. What what about what about if it's a, a standoff, standoff conflict with subs? and um missiles well it, it, even in the event of let, let's say we're not going to move troops there we're going to move uh, aerial assets um that would that would still be a a significant a very very significant move um and it would and just logistically it would still take weeks to do it um because you'd have to fly I mean, if we were we were gearing up to do some kind of an aerial intervention, like we're going to go go set up a no-fly zone or something, um, this would involve flying hundreds of aircraft, um, hundreds if not you know thousands of aircraft, uh, a thousand plus into Europe, 
um, yeah, basing them all over basing them all over Europe, and then probably moving in a significant, uh, very significant uh, additional sort of ground forces to defend those. Um, just as far as you know, moving in air defenses and so air defenses, additional radars, and all the sort of logistical setup involved in that. And and I think I mean it's it's we're 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 streaming right now on September twenty fifth, and the elections on November sixth. So we've got what five weeks five six weeks um until why well, yeah, so we six weeks from now from so today. i don't know T- today or tomorrow right yeah. Some, something nutty happens like a, a battlefield nuke is used mm-hmm. um russia russia are drawing a line in the sand and they 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 fire one off as a as a um yeah, a warning to everyone it, it, you, you think it would still take five six weeks to mobilize there's there's a there's forces in europe that would be able to step up surely yes there, there's 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 forces in europe but they're not uh there's still not a lot of them um as as far as as far as how the united states would i mean we would not go to war with the forces we have in europe um as far as how we would if we were going to be going to war i mean you would you would see a a really significant shift in forces um, which would be highly publicized because it'd be impossible to hide um and i i think you know six weeks out from election day or yeah six weeks and change i guess i guess i think election day is on tuesday on a tuesday and it's a sunday um i, I mean i i uh <laughs> If they're going to be, if they're going to do some kind of a major intervention in Ukraine pre-election, I think they're, I don't think they're out of time. They could move, you know, aerial forces. They could get some some naval forces over there mm. by then. Yeah, um, so, some sort of show of strength that says, okay, we send in the B-52s and yeah. hit something of strategic importance. And then, and and then that's enough of an emergency for them to say, well, we can, we mu- we must have continuity of government right now because it's such a perilous situation, right? The Russians are going to get all pissy, and um, uh, yeah, I, but I mean, I, I just I'm having a hard time seeing seeing you know the U.S. launching a launching even a limited strike on Russia if we hadn't moved a lot of stuff into Europe ahead of time. Just because the the obvious counter move is the Russians, you know, uh, attacking NATO facilities across Europe, and if so we I'll, I'll give I'll give you I'll give you a, a, a historical example when they hit Tripoli yeah. and Gaddafi. I mean, literally, that well, I can't remember was it like two or four planes that went from the UK, and um, you know, the point being that they were, it was to just go out and knock on his palace windows as it were yeah in fact in fact i even think they might have got into a dog fight on on the way out if i remember correctly why why can't we see something like that oh i I mean we we certainly could you're you're not you're not wrong i mean we could we can hit anything on earth within within 24 hours but the the my read on it is at least they would want to they would want to ensure they hedged properly not to ensure that okay we didn't just rattle the russians cage and the russians responded by you know 
pushing troops into Berlin <laughs> because we didn't have anything there to stop them. Yeah, but then, um, but then, then you've got the excuse, right? Yeah. You you've got the excuse to then really mount forces that otherwise, yeah, you, you may have, you may get objection. Yeah, I mean, I, that that's a good point. Um, but I think the the other the other the other thing which I think sort of mitigates against that is we have we've seen you know, a lot of very aggressive rhetoric coming out of the West, but it's not it's not a step change. Um, it's not that different from what we've been seeing earlier in the war. And I think um, I, I think if we were going to you know, get ready, I don't know, bomb Sevastopol, which I think would be the be the the uh, probably the obvious target. You know, we're going to go shoot some missiles into Sevastopol to send, send a message to the Russians. Mm. Um, I think we would see some really escalated rhetoric um, aimed at Russia, and thus far, it's um, th thus far the rhetoric is all is all based on like, oh, what if the Russians you know, use a nuclear weapon in Ukraine? Right? It's, it's all based on very extreme scenarios, which are very unlikely to play out. Well, you never know. We, we we keep getting caught by surprises, and yeah. um, it, it, it's a possibility. I'm, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie to you, but I uh, I think if there were there was something, yeah, I think if there was something a plan afoot to I don't know cancel elections or something like that, something crazy, mm. um, something which would be very extreme, we we would be seeing more of that now. Well, um, how, how how about fences around the White House and your your um civic institutions being um well i mean they, they put those fences up to keep uh keep right keep you know <laughs> it didn't take much for them to put those up did it no no and they're still there right yeah they, they, it hasn't changed so um again um i i would be i'm just urging people to have caution right now with respect to don't don't take things for granted when I had a report of uh, the U.S.'s largest oil refinery caught fire two days ago. There's um, reports after reports of food processing catching fire. Have you seen Have you seen all these reports? Oh yeah, I've been hearing about those. Yeah, yeah, that's that's all very concerning. But mm. yeah, I mean, and 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 to me, just to, that... just to go into your, I mean, just to go into the base concern here, which is yeah, you know, concerning enough to to you know postpone election day in the U.S. I mean, we had elections during World War II. Um, yeah, so but it's it, a... it, with the lame duck president though, that's um, that would do anything to hang on to power right now because they know that they've been caught uh, engaging in you know some of our worst. Worst human activities. Well, I mean, I mean, I think they're we're increasingly getting to the point where these uh, it's not so much these people have been caught, but what are we going to do about it? I think that's that's what they're I think that's where some of these people stand by now. But, I mean, God, we we saw um, saw this uh, this individual's son, uh, you know, engaging in stuff that should have gotten him thrown in jail forever, mm. and he's you know he's still still jet setting. Yep. Yep. And and at the same time, I I don't know what were they talking about. I think it was Kamala Harris, and she was she was listing off uh, um, pivotal moments in U.S. history, and she's been like Pearl Harbor and um, I don't know the, the, the not Malcolm X. Who's the other? Who's the uh, 
No, Martin Luther King. Martin Luther King. And, um, and then on the end of it, she taxed January 6th as being this, this monumental day in, in American history. Um, when when the, the Republic came under attack. Um, th- th- these people are using very, very demagogic rhetoric. Yeah, they're they're really well. And actually, what what really concerned me was uh, Biden's crazy speech he made a couple of weeks ago. Mm. You you see that? Uh, well, I mean, there's a whole bunch of them where he's... The, the the one where he was as an official White House event, by the way. So this was a, a government speech, and he was speaking in front of like a red backdrop and was saying, "Oh how God, yeah, yeah, yeah." The uh, the V for Vendetta. Yeah, it was like something out of V for Vendetta. It's like, okay, mm. this is getting concerning. Yeah. And I'll tell you right now, I think it's very concerning. I'm certainly concerned. I, I don't think that the... I don't think it's getting to the point where they're going to, to try to pull some machining into outright cancel elections. Um, I, uh, think so, there's, there's, so, I think that's sort of the low scale of the lower level of continued continued screwiness. So as, as a hypothetical, the, the, the food plants, the fuel processing plants, the, the infrastructure that seems to be being... Um, and it's not just in the U.S., but there seems to be a lot occurring in the U.S. Is that not a fingerprint of this next generation warfare where everything is done as sort of subtly as possible to leverage over time where you want to? Well, again, it's that trifecta of famine, um, disease and yeah, this this new type of asymmetric. Well, I'll, I'll, t- I'll tell you this because I, <clears throat> I'm. I don't feel like I can really opine very effectively on on what's causing this, but I'll t- I'll tell you this, which is that if there's anything the the Brandon administration has a uh, uh, has shown, it's that uh, energy prices, food prices, mm. the economic squeeze being placed on on you know non upper class Americans mm. is the result of government policy. It's not the result of you know the forces of economics. It's not the result of some nonsense happening in the Middle East. It's be- it's because of policy of the U.S. government. The gas costs five dollars a gallon. Bread, apparently there's yeah. there's loaves of bread now for eight bucks. <laughs> yeah, like food prices are high because the Biden administration thinks they should be high. Mm. Gas prices are high because the Biden administration thinks they should be high. Um, but why? Because they were low two years ago. They were quite low, like nineties low. Mm. Uh, and when they had been high for over a decade, very high. And, uh, so, and this, this just demonstrates this is, this is the result of policy. And what is the end of that policy? Um, I mean, I, I'm not sure what the end of it is, but they, the means by which they're getting to that end seem to be to, impo- to be impoverishing Americans via increased uh, cost of living. So um, as these are just midterms <laughs> and you, you can't get rid of biden but it as my understanding of the american system is that you can uh, it's a fight for the house of representatives right yeah. and, and and it's about whether the ease with which you can get legislation through um the, the... Yeah, yeah so as far as the, the consequences out of the midterms um yeah i think it's a <clears throat> i think it's likely that gop seizes control of the house I'm not sure what the Senate's going to look like because the Senate, the Senate math is always a little bit weird. Mm. Um, I haven't been following the election cycle closely, but 
As far as the practical upshot of that, I'm not sure what how much of a practical upshot it's going to have, simply because I wouldn't be surprised if the because there's a lot of, of there's a significant faction of Republicans who are not really Republicans. They're they're you know um, uh, they're you know, the neoconservatives. Mm. Um, and they, they get along very well with the neoliberals over in the Democrats, uh, over with the Democrats. And I, I think I wouldn't be surprised if the, the, the Republicans, you know, take control of the House and then, um, and then some, uh, and then they proceed to get along just fine with the Biden administration, mm. um, simply because there's, you know, the, the, there's a lot of a lot. Well, of did, did we not see that at, at the ceremony? What's his name? Pence. Remember that. Remember them sort of passing him a silver coin. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so uh, I think there's a merit to your your thinking that yeah, there's there's this overlap that that they would rather things running the way they expect them to than having and you know look. If Trump was well, anything, he most would... of the Republicans are as much are as much part of the establishment as the Democrats yeah. are. Yeah, and... right. If not, and it, it's all uh, and the the and you know what's going on right now is absolutely the result of policies which are favored by the establishment, not just not just you know the left the left leaning party in America. Yeah, I, I, I'm not. Um... So it it. Their importance then of these elections, it's not it's not going to have a big impact on the on the direction that then we're seeing the world going. It's not going it's not going to stop the U.S. continuing to pour funding into um, uh, the the their response to Russia's. I, mean, I think if there's a, I think if there's a significant reduction in aid going to Ukraine as a result of these elections, it will be simply. It won't be because the politicians themselves aren't for it, because they're clearly all for it. I think it will be because the their constituents mm -hmm. sent them a message, and you know the, the the war in Ukraine is not as popular in America as no. I, I hope as not. I, I hope our political not. Would make it out to be right. It's actually quite unpopular. So, I mean, I I, um, so I pray I, I so. Would, yeah, but I, do, I mean, I think if the money spigot gets cut off to Ukraine, if and I'm not sure that's going to happen. But if it gets cut off, it will it will be because for a couple of reasons. One, um, Republicans are there's at least some difference there, and I think there's a significant number of Republicans who are not going to be who are not going to be support who are not going to be willing to support the war going forward if they have the have the option not to. And two, um, the other issue is, uh, and I lost my train of thought. Um, <laughs> So, well, I mean, we've been would be that I think by November it's going to be very obvious that Ukraine is going to be a losing cause. Because again, what's going to happen in November? Well, all those additional three hundred thousand Russian soldiers are going to have shown up, and the the counteroffensives the Ukrainians have been the, the counteroffensive the Ukrainians launched over the last month will have very completely petered out and will have done so at a grievous cost to Ukraine's ability to continue to wage war. Okay, so and, in, in this situation, you, you, you have Ukraine turning around. They've got essentially unlimited funds because of support from the rest of the world that they're able to pull in mercenaries 
to fight their war. Um, that doesn't seem that far-fetched to me, considering how how um, how things have played out. So, the um, could could we not see Ukraine doing that, um, paying the money up front, get these highly trained, owned by I was going to say BlackRock, but it's BlackRock's not the military Blackwater. defense. Blackwater, right? Um, uh, well, I mean. <laughs> I don't think the foreign fighters we're seeing are really, really what we would call call mercenaries. They're they're sort of volunteers, and we've seen. Uh, I think uh, that that the bigger, almost the bigger concern out of this wouldn't be you know, wouldn't be Ukraine paying for foreign mercenaries. It would be I don't know the poles along with their the large amount of equipment they're sending in. I mean, do we do we know these tanks were sent in without guys in them? We don't really. There have been any number of people who've shown up in Ukraine who should be like serving on active duty in various NATO armies, and they're 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 fighting with the Ukrainian army for some reason. So, well, um, there's an element of that just some dudes want to get in a war, right? They they fancy their chances and the glory. Yeah, I I think the the danger is this this becomes an organized thing, like you know the Polish army, like sending in significant formations under. Sending in significant formations officially, but you know, like you know, under orders, but not acknowledged. So, I mean, you know, simple question: who's who's driving and firing the high mars? I don't think that's yeah, Ukrainians, right. right? Yeah, there are things like you know who's who's driving and firing all these Polish howitzers that keep on showing up. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the, the poles delivered, handed over hundreds of tanks and you know, tanks and APCs. Um, are we sure that they were handed over without, you know, without personnel to man them? Mm. We, I mean, we don't know that. My, my assumption would be that, that, that of course, there is. Um, we, and the, the, the war itself has the potential. Look, but it's, it's Europe, dude. They, they fight for five, six years in humankind's most bloody conflicts and we're seeing it again yeah and um yeah again this brings me back to the point of i i think that maybe they would they would light the world on fire to cover up what what they've been doing right because well i i think they they'd light the world on fire because they're they've got the sense that they're going to come out of that they're going to be the only ones left standing when it's over. Yeah, they got bug out places to go to. And yeah. this is Yeah, and I mean you that the you know the, the depopulation agenda. Uh, unfortunately that the I think some of the, the issue uh we, we might be running into isn't that people people are pushing some of this this very poisonous green agenda in, in bad faith, but they're pushing it in, in good faith and they're actually fanatics about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they truly believe solar panels are the. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, people who are thinking, you know, hey, we have five billion too many people on this planet. Well, you know, mm-hmm. humanity's going to go extinct otherwise. Well, these people have large amounts of money and influence. Well, uh, you can you can do things. Like, you can you can arrange things. Mm. Yeah. Um, it it's some it's something that I'm having to. I wrestled with it for a long time. I'm. Uh, I'm not saying agnostic, 
um i i do see i do see the evidence for it i i tend to agree with a good friend of mine that what the, what they want with the population is testing for these next generation medical interventions and large big data that that they're picking up right now is is of value to them the well i i Yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't have good, uh, uh, good solutions to this, right? It's ident. You can identify the problem, but what, what, do, what do we do? It's good to talk, right, and thrash out these ideas, I think. Um, but the well, I mean, I think the the first the first order of business is simply being aware of it. Mm. Well, yeah. once you see the man behind the curtain, it's hard not to hard not to see him. Mm. Mm. And that th this is this is why I'm sort of um, really trying to get um, some some slots with other people. I know um, you know Gonzalo's doing those roundtables. It, 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 send him the roundtable that we did. Um, and I know it's long, but um, it covers a lot of what he he spoke about with Peter McCullough, and maybe he doesn't want to touch the third rail of covid again but um i, I don't know I, I i think there's enough because we're we're in contact with or, uh, people who are actually in dc speaking to elected representatives who understand that there's this problem that links to ukraine and we need uh we need to get more more momentum behind it so people so people sort of follow up with what we're doing with letters and um questions to these uh the, the, your representatives that you voted to put them in there um they they need to be they need to be used so um dude I, the kids have got to run to school um i'm over i'm over time anyway um yeah we've been, we been going for a while plus three hours so yeah yeah dude it's always uh wasn't expecting to go this long yeah 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 um we should uh should get more people in and uh yeah you, like i say um i would encourage everyone I'll, I'll put the link for your book in the chat i was i was asking uh, for that but uh folks uh armchair does aw does have a uh novel that you can go buy um is it does it have it and i'm publishing the publishing the sequel in uh december cool so uh support support armchair warlord buy his book and um yeah, we'll, we'll have more confidence. Well, I don't know, man. The, like the the way things are escalating, I'm ju I'm just DMing you, Jesus, dude. What's going on? <laughs> I, that's... Uh, I know the feeling. I mean, I'm my my hope for things here is that this um is that the the, the Russian escalate to de-escalate situation uh, works out, and that Europe uh, kind of um ramps things down now the weather's getting colder and then they they sort of ramp the u.s down with them and um things in ukraine kind of get patched up we, well we can but pray my my concern is it'll go the other way but we'll we'll see like i say we've gone to space in a few weeks last time we were talking there was you know little tiny tiny little movements back and forth and now now we're at at this point 
and yeah now, now things are now things have escalated significantly so yeah yeah that's why i called this stream the escalation just, just market for history yeah <laughs> if it stays up i don't i don't think we crossed any boundaries today but um yeah please please do just keep on keeping the score with uh what's going on and um like i said i'm i'm in your discord a lot i'm not typing much but i'm trying to sort of hoover up the the information and uh if you're not in aw's uh discord tough luck <laughs> i would say it's yeah. a private one right yeah it's private um yeah. keep I, the peons uh, out it, it's about, the, about the level of um how do i put this up? about the level of um social media involvement i'm willing to kind of have right now <laughs> yeah I, I i get it dude it's uh oh you've got other you've got things to do in real life significant real life moves going on so I'm yeah. Like, yeah i need to stop being terminally online and, and mm. fighting with the twitter or there's oh but you do it so well i mean some some of the deconstructions right. you did of just battles and engagements and uh yeah it's it's brilliant um very very good work dude all right i've got to I'm going to get uh, in enormous trouble right now. So, folks, thanks very much for listening. Uh, AW, take care, bro. And, um, yeah, keep keep going, man. Absolutely. Right. Easy. Love, yeah, love, easy. Your, love your work. Thank you. <laughs> All right. All right, guys, that was uh, Armchair Warlord. Always, uh, always a pleasure. And, um, yeah, I'm... You know, if you want to come online, you've got some military experience. Um, I'd I'd be happy to walk through this stuff. I, I find it fascinating. Um, Marty, thank you for putting links uh, in the chat. Uh, I see Houstonic. I see uh, um, JC's Giga Home. Uh, maybe he's going to stream. I've been up for I don't know. I feel I feel a bit delirious at the moment. Um, but uh, yeah, fascinating um, conversation. You were posting the. Book. thank you Marty for for doing that and uh, yeah support AW um, and you know at least he's at least he's got something you can hold in your hands <laughs> all right let me just uh, see anything in the chat real quick um, let's see the admin doesn't have anything intelligence to do on that level not in this election cycle next one uh maybe what are the chances of 18 to 25 year olds getting conscripted in the u.s i think high um it's definitely nudging up uh let's see uh, that means never say never when it comes to the draft and military is at lowest numbers ever right now yep keep that in mind uh let's see i had an interview with ideal last year too much too much diversity there um Rumours is it that every high-mass truck has an American inside who approves each target? Yeah, I have no doubt. I, I, I don't think they're just handed over to Ukrainians to go driving about. And I'm it's not speculation to say that there's a significant NATO intelligence infrastructure operating in Ukraine. We know there is. What I, what I find bizarre is that Russia doesn't touch it. But there you go. Uh, let's see. Ayahuasca Man says, I was a Malthusian climate change doomer until 2020. I 
after watching the same players lying about COVID. MPIs and now certain interventions. I was reading Paul Ehrlich and Club of Rome. Well, Club of Rome is uh, its not good for your health. And uh, blessings, blessings, blessings. Marty, you're such a sweetheart. I owe, I owe you something. You need to send me your address so I can send you a present. Um, let's see. Yeah, and you know what I need to do? I keep thinking about uh, Brother Brisson. We need to do, I, I need to catch up with Brother Brisson. So maybe I'll try and do something uh, this week. Uh, reach out. Um, <laughs> what's going to say? Call a Jeep veteran 10 years. Um, I hear you, bro. <laughs> All right. I'm out of here. Take care. God bless. Hope you enjoyed it. And I will see you in the next one where we'll just get back to doing the science and the looking at those documents. Um, so let me see the kids off to school. Take care, guys. God bless.